He's gone. He's gone from here. The evil is gone. You should have told somebody. I told everybody. For God's sakes, he can't drive a car. He was doing very well last night. He came home. Man wouldn't do that. This isn't a man. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Hey, Lonnie. Get your ass away from there. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Go on! What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. You don't know what death is. I shot him six times. I, I shot him in the heart. And this guy, this man, is, he's not human. Hello and welcome to the film room. On this episode, we are reviewing Halloween 2, 1981. And on this episode, I have Keller joining me. How are you doing, Keller? Doing well, buddy. Awesome. That's 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 great to hear. I've been very excited to do this episode with you. Obviously, we did the original Halloween. That was a great episode. Super fun. I think we actually did that one back in October as well. So it seems fitting to to do the sequel during during spooky season again yeah i've been looking forward to this especially just getting back into the swing of fall um and starting to watch some scary movies again it's been a long time yeah yeah it's it's, it's been great i've I've had a really busy slate th- this month for sure because i just released our collector episode um this past week so if if, if you folks haven't listened to that one yet i would highly encourage you to check that episode out, Keller and I had some great discussions on that that were very insightful and sometimes just absolutely hilarious. I remember texting you and telling you, like, I was I was giggling through most of the editing process because there were some pretty pretty funny parts in that. But yeah, we got this one, Halloween two, and then we got Friday Thirteenth Part Two coming out this month, and then at the end of this month, I'll be putting out uh, Terrifier Two with uh donnie crazy uncle seth and uh taylor so that's gonna be a, a foursome on that episode so it's gonna be a little little off the rails but i think it's gonna be a lot of fun so busy slate for for october i hope you guys all enjoy uh those episodes but uh you know let's talk a little bit about halloween 2 here this is besides obviously the hollow green trilogy this is your first halloween sequel am i right keller yeah, yeah. Other than uh, the very first one and the most recent trilogy, this is my first sequel of Halloween. I was really excited for it. It's been near the top of my list for a couple years now. Ever since we, I really started getting into watching and discussing with you. Awesome. Yeah. This is. Uh, I, I I keep this this sequel near and dear to my to my heart. So I'll kind of go into one of the first times I ever watched this. So this, I think this was actually one of the last besides Halloween six, one of the last sequels um, that I was able to watch because on AMC fear fest, they would cycle through the original and uh, four and five all the time. So those are the ones I kind of grew up on. And I, I don't know if like stars or showtime had some type of like, I guess what you would call like, like streaming or TV rights to this, but it was always on those paid channels 
so I never, I never, I never got a chance to rent it. I, I never watched it on uh, any of the television channels. But I remember I must have been like eleven or twelve. Uh, I was staying with my grandparents, and I think Stars or Showtime used to do like this, like free week that you would get to to watch those channels in like the summertime, and they were showing Halloween too. So that was the first time I watched it was at my grandparents' house when I was yeah like eleven or twelve years old. And I was so excited because I, I had seen like trailers for it and stuff like that. And I knew it involved the hospital and I love the hospital setting because the hospitals are pretty creepy at night and especially like abandoned hospitals, which this is what this one kind of felt like, but yeah, it, it, it terrified me and it felt like a really good continuation. And to be honest with you, I feel like now I've watched this one probably on an annual basis once or twice a year. I revisit it a lot. I, I really, I really enjoy this. And then off mic, we were kind of talking about it a little bit. I think in my head, I remember this movie a little bit more fondly, or I think it's better than it actually is. And then when I watch it, not that it like lets me down, but I, I kind of see some of the flaws in, in the film. But I guess in the grand scheme of things, looking at all the other sequels, that I've that I've watched, it's still up there as like my second or third favorite Halloween film. Do you want to give like your your overall thoughts on 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 Halloween two and what you thought on your first viewing? Yeah, I'm interested to see which sequels you thought are better because I really liked this one. I thought this one was uh, a very fitting, like immediate sequel to the to the original and. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like that uh, the setting now was in the hospital and goes from like a suburban neighborhood that like you want to feel like cozy and safe in and Michael Myers comes in and breaks up all that, shatters your safety and then um, goes to a hospital where like you're, it's supposed to be a place where you're getting healed and taken care of and um, it's supposed to be like well run and, and orderly and then michael comes in as an agent of chaos into that setting to to shatter that um but yeah i thought um there i could definitely see the flaws with it and we'll talk about that but overall i thought it was a great great way to start my my spooky seasons with a great i think this was a great horror movie definitely we're gonna rewatch it yeah that's awesome to hear man and i guess i can just tell you which ones i'd put up kind of towards the top as some of the top sequels but uh like i like four and five but for some reason halloween six gets a really bad rap but it's a really fun watch and it gets a bad rap because it's so convoluted it's chaotic and it's a little bit crazy and i I, i'll be very excited to to do that one with you because i feel like you'll enjoy that one as much as as much as i do but uh i put that one up top just because I feel like there are a lot of elements that I, I enjoy from that one. So that one's up there with uh, Halloween too. But yeah, I would say obviously Halloween, the original is my favorite. And then like two and three would probably be, or my second and third spots would be this one and probably Halloween, Halloween six. And it kind of depends on the mood that I'm in, which one I, uh, I enjoy more. Yeah, it's it, I, I, I like this film and obviously you can tell it's 1981 now. It's been three years since the original was released and 
obviously since then we've had our Friday the 13th and a bunch of other slashers and we're really getting into that decade of like just very uh saturated market of of slasher films so i felt like it kept some elements actually a good amount of elements from from the original but there are so many tropes and so many cliches and so many slasher traits that they try to jam pack into this one where sometimes it it kind of feels a little tonally off from from the original they they try to like soup it up or put it on steroids a little Mm. bit more but yeah, overall, I agree with you. It, I, I I really enjoy this film, and I probably wouldn't watch it, you know, once or twice a year if it wasn't if it wasn't one of my one of my favorites. But uh, with that said, actually, before we talk about any recently seen movies, Keller, what the hell are we drinking? Well, while we were talking about football before we started the podcast, I was drinking a, a cranberry pomegranate juice mixed with ginger beer. <laughs> very tasty but it's Sounds all gone good. now I have, I have nothing to drink near me oh you're gonna be parched soon i'm gonna be licking my chops yeah How about I, you? I am drinking so it's it's midday on saturday so i'm not drinking an alcoholic beverage i am drinking a uh great a sparkling grape rush celsius a little bit of a uh, little bit of caffeine to to wake me up and and get me going on this episode very good. I've just got sugar keeping me going. Yep, just that good old natural sugar. Well, awesome, man. That's cool. All right. Like I said, any recently seen movies? Uh, I know you kind of said this was kicking off your, your spooky season, but anything worth mentioning? Thinking, thinking. I think this is since um, since I last talked to you. I think this is the first movie I sat down to see. I was watching some Star Trek this morning, Deep Space Nine. Oh. If I was making breakfast. Other than that, this is it. Nice, nice. I've uh oh, let's see here. I yeah, I'm really I've been so busy this month with I went on a vacation and then uh just work's been kind of kind of crazy and we've had a bunch of plans, so I haven't really had a lot of time to sit down and watch stuff. So like obviously we watched The Collector. That was one of the movies in the past month that I've watched horror wise. And then uh, I didn't finish it, but on like a Wednesday night or something, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the new generation from like 95 or something that was on the sci-fi channel. And I watched like the first like 25, 30 minutes of it. And then I was kind of like, ah, this is a bad movie. I don't really want to finish it. (laughs) It kind of takes me out too, like a 90 minute movie that isn't very good. And then there's, it's on like, regular television so there's a bunch of commercial breaks and i'm oh like God, you know, yeah. now this is getting fucking spread out to like probably close to two hours and like, i don't know if i want to sit through this that's worst case working. scenario yeah and i'm like eh, i'm gonna bow out but yeah so not really a ton for me you know like i said i will be getting into more with watching friday 13th part two um terrifier two again and then uh i'm sure i'll pop on amc fear fest here uh, a few times throughout the month to to get my fill, my the the full scale of of spooky seasons because I I am a self proclaimed year round uh, trick or treater. If you didn't know that, <laughs> they're so. always tricking me. I haven't gotten a treat out of you <laughs> the entire time I've known you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll have to I'll have to change it up for you here soon. 
We did watch Ashley and I, um, Isle of Dogs. I just remembered on the plains of France when we went. Uh, and that was a very good, cozy Wes Anderson movie. Very oh. clever, unique. Okay. Actually, now that you uh, mention you- it, now that you mention it, I did watch a movie uh, on the plane during my vacation. I watched Saw 2. <laughs> You're uh, exposing everybody sitting behind you to just like insane torture going on yeah i almost i had to like keep like dipping my phone like the angle of it down because i'm like i don't know if people should oh it was on your phone i was thinking on like the the headrest fuck no (laughs) no way dude and i you know (laughs) when i'm watching it i forgot like how much saw loves to use like strobing lights and like quick flashes that like it, it was a night flight so the lights were off in the cabin or yeah in, in the entire plane <laughs> so then like you just hold your there. phone like two inches from your eyeballs just yeah. like salivating at the yeah and it's like it's like ching 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 and it's just like going crazy there's like one point where like a character's like like discombobulated like looking around and it kept like switching its angles and cutting and like strobing and i'm like oh my i was actually kind of getting dizzy from it myself and i was like people probably think i'm watching like just watching like a strobe light on my on my phone and i'm just like is that guy okay up there but uh yeah it was yeah it was whatever i mean you you know what i think about the saw franchise and i i haven't seen saw too i watched saw like last april or may it wasn't one of my first times watching it but uh i was like all right you know got a, got like a two and a half hour plane ride let's let's watch saw too donnie Wahlberg's in it let's see <laughs> let's see uh how this goes so you cut and, up yeah, it uh, it it was it was all right. Definitely uh, the the two thousand early two thousands horror horror vibe from it, and I I don't I, now that I watch that on my Amazon account, every time I go on Amazon, it's like recommended, and it's it's like Saw three, Saw four, Saw five, and I'm like, eh, I don't really feel like I need to watch the other ones right now. Like I'll I'm not itching to to see what happens or how many more people are going to be caught in traps and and tortured. You know, I've watched The Collector. And I watched that too in the past, you know, three, four weeks. And I'm like, I think I've got my fill of that type of that, that genre of horror. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to watch them, but saw 10 apparently was getting really good reviews. That's what I saw. I, I, I did see that, that it's doing well, uh, critic wise and, and box office wise. And, and some people have been saying, it's like, yeah, it's like one of the best soft films. I saw this, uh, this page on Facebook where people have been ranking them and they putting, they've been putting saw, x as like the top like above the original i'm like oh man well i don't really want to watch that i want to like i'm like i'm a completionist i you know i want to there's there's all these storylines that probably connect to saw 10 i'm like i i shouldn't you know skip all these and so i'll i'll probably end up renting that in like six years when i finally get through the entire (laughs) i think you're off the hook if you skip the saw 10 over the other eight that you haven't seen yeah yeah so uh yeah but uh oh yeah and then you you had texted me about uh the exorcist uh believer the new exorcist film that came out this week and uh david gordon green strikes again with a dud i think you when you sent it to me it had like a 24 percent of rotten tomatoes the last time i checked yeah. it had a 20 a 20 percent dude that's <laughs> so bad and it's going to continue to dwindle down it's oh going to be good it's yeah and and they're making it it's, a, it's supposed to be a trilogy so not a great way to start off a trilogy with with a dud like that. He's sabotaging the industry. Yeah, probably I'm, make probably making money just because just by default. But 
Yeah, and um, you you and I have talked about him before, where it's like he had this hit with Halloween 2018, and then he made you know the other two Halloween films that we'll eventually get to, and our thoughts are they're below average films. Um, and now they like are considering him like the master of horror, and I'm like, really? Like now he's getting this this Exorcist gig. I wonder what he's gonna end up signing on to next. But I mean, honestly, though, if if the entire trilogy doesn't perform, maybe this they'll they'll reconsider, and he won't want to do horror either. Uh, like one can hope. Yeah, but uh, I definitely don't need like seven or eight fucking David Gordon Green horror films. You know, I think uh, the one that he did was just fine and he didn't need to make a bunch of other ones. But that's a discussion for <laughs> another time. All right, man. Well, let's uh, let's get into this Halloween two this this film here. So I'm going to give a, a brief uh, synopsis of Halloween two. After failing to kill stubborn survivor Lori, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, and taking a bullet or six from former psychiatrist Dr. Sam Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance. Michael Myers has followed Lori to the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, where she's been admitted for Myers' attempt on her life. The institution proves to be particularly suited to serial killers. However, as Myers cuts, stabs, and slashes his way through hospital staff to reach his favorite victim, that doesn't... What? I feel like there should be like more to the end of that sentence. However, <laughs> that was kind of like left off, but yeah. However, as Myers cuts, stabs, and slashes his way through the hospital staff to reach his favorite victim. So you get the gist of the film there. That was kind of a weird read. Halloween 2 came out in 1981. Did not do well critic-wise. It got a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, It had a $2.5 million budget and made $25.5 million at the box office. So obviously, 10 times the budget. Super successful. Uh box office wise and uh like we said in the in the opening of the podcast that we both enjoyed it i think it's it's a classic that a lot of people from the franchise enjoy and like to like to revisit but um are you did you look at the rotten tomato score are you surprised that it received a 33 percent i was surprised that it was that low because i mean it's it's not at the same level as um the original but I didn't see a whole lot with it that would make it like 70% worse or, or whatever than the, than the original movie. So it was, was kind of surprising for me. I, I hadn't looked that up before I watched it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that kind of surprised me too. I was like, I thought, I thought it was like in the, in the fifties, the 50%. Yeah. Apparently it's uh, scored in the, in the bottom third there. And I mean, we'll get into some of the, the reasons why I think it probably, uh, scored that low but either way the halloween franchise has really always been a cash cow like very small budget needed you know they're either going to break even or make a shit ton of money on it and uh this is a trend that kind of continues throughout the history of the of the franchise of of making of making money and really didn't i don't think it received a positive uh rotten tomato score until uh, Halloween H2O, which was obviously 20 years later uh, in 98 when Jamie Lee Curtis returned to the franchise. And I think that one wasn't even that that big. I think it was like a 55, 56%. But um, yeah, so this film was uh, directed by Rick uh, Rosenthal, who was a part of the original crew. They actually brought back a ton of the uh, 
original cast and crew from uh, from from Halloween 1978 and uh just from reading like taking shape and 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 being a a, a big Halloween Michael Myers fan I, I know a lot of background about this film just off the top of my head and when Rick Rosenthal uh, initially wrote the script uh, they didn't like it uh, they didn't think it uh, really would have captivated uh, the audience um, it kind of was missing some of the elements that make Michael Myers who he is or what it is and uh uh, I don't know if you if you know this or not, but uh, John Carpenter ended up writing the script for this. He took it, and when he's done, he's done a ton of interviews throughout the years, and he said he really didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do a sequel to to begin with, and he said every night that he wrote or he would work on the script, he he would uh, grab a six pack of beer, <laughs> so he would be getting like drunk and and writing this, and uh, they had to punch it up a little bit. And the studio heads, when they initially submitted the script, they said there needs to be more kills. There needs to be more of that like slasher element. That's what I'm kind of talking about is when we get into those early 80s when slashers took off and it started to become saturated. And a lot of those films emulate each other and kind of seem the same. That's where I think that lower score comes in because it did kind of seem like another just another slasher film and uh not reinventing the wheel by by any means but uh like overall it's a solid film but john carpenter and deborah hill the original creators they they weren't too keen on making a sequel with michael myers initially they wanted this to be an anthology series which that halloween three season of the witch that's really the only one that doesn't have michael myers in it and that is considered um part of the anthology before they switch back to uh, having Michael Myers in the timeline. But, uh, I mean, Rick Rosenthal, like I said, he directed it. From what I remember, he uh, was directing some, like, local theater classes, and that's where most of this, the, the new cast came from. So, like, Leo Rossi, who plays Bud, some of the nurses, uh, Lance Guest, who plays Jimmy, he kind of brought all of them on, from uh, his work on the stage from, from theater. So I thought that was kind of cool that he brought these people on and uh, Rick Rosenthal eventually returned to the franchise to direct Halloween resurrection, which is like probably the worst Halloween film of all time. It's really, (laughs) really, really, really bad. Um, But uh, yeah, they brought the same cinematographer back Dean Cundy. Um, That's why like it still kind of has that same look and feel from from the first one but i think it's it's easy to have that when it's a the continuation from from the same night which i think that was the right direction to go um i'm interested to hear if you if you knew about this or not but the initial idea wasn't a continuation of the same night it was Lori strode i don't know if it would have been like a year later probably a year later um, when she was supposed to go off to college it was going to be set in a Chicago high rise. So she was going to be in college. She was going to be in a Chicago high rise. It would have been Michael Myers uh, stalking and killing uh, in a Chicago high rise, trying to get his uh, very evasive or elusive um, uh, prey in Laurie Strode. Did you, did you know that at all? No, I, I like that idea though. Cause I thought when I watched evil dead rise, that's a good setting for, 
a horror movie is in a, a high rise where you're kind of stuck on a level with a bunch of other tenants. Yeah, I definitely think that would have been that would have been interesting, and really cool. And that's one thing I learned from reading the the Taking Shape Part Two uh, book, where they talk about some of the ideas for sequels, and that was one of them. And uh, I mean, I'm glad with what we what we got in Halloween Two with with the hospital setting, but um, I do think that that there's there's something there, and that would be very interesting. And like, hey, I don't you, you never know. Like like they're they're gonna make more Halloween movies in the future. Could they resurrect some of these uh, not failed sequel ideas, but just like unused sequel ideas? Um, maybe not make it a carbon copy, but just, you know. You can't say the word resurrect in relation to Halloween anymore. That's true. That That is that is very true, because how many times has that franchise been resurrected from the dead? You know? Exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think now we can probably get into the character list unless you have anything else to add about about the film. Uh no, let's kick into it. Awesome. Here we go. All right, it's really easy to start off with this character. Probably the obviously the the most notable, best known uh actress from the Halloween franchise, Jamie Lee Curtis playing Laurie Strode. So Laurie Strode is the central character and survivor from the original Halloween film. She is now in the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, recovering from her traumatic encounter with Michael Myers. Laurie is a strong-willed and determined to survive, but her fear is palpable as Michael continues to hunt her down. So, in this film, we don't get a lot of Laurie, a lot of her doing stuff. And I, I don't know if that's... I don't think she was on set a lot for... She was very limited because, you know, she started kind of getting into the the bigger Hollywood films. Um, she, you can definitely tell she's wearing a hairpiece. She's wearing a wig. Um, yeah. I don't know if you noticed that or not. But I thought yeah. it was pretty... For me, it was kind of lazy for them to just, like, put her in a catatonic state for, like, most of the film. It was kind of annoying. But um, that chase scene at the end of the, at the, end of the movie really just gave me vibes from the previous film where obviously at the end when she goes to, to over to the uh Lindsay Wallace house and uh is banging on the door yep and all, and all those things so I, I love that that's probably my top one or two uh Myers Lori chase scenes in the history of the 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 franchise and um yeah like I said it's it's hard to it's hard to give her a fair evaluation of her character because they do put her in that catatonic cat- catatonic state because they got a drunk doctor who like gave her too much uh, drugs when when he was putting her under. But um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's performance in Halloween Two as Laurie. That was good. The, the uh, um... It was interesting to start this movie with her being in like a state of panic because it is such a different beginning from uh the original where like everything's so like slow and safe and comfy and then michael starts to creep in um at the edge of the edge of your vision in this one though we're already kind of in a heightened state of like because we're remembering the first movie and like our adrenaline is kind of like just already starts pumping because we are kind of like living with Lori through 
what she has gone through. And then um, just everybody else in the movie is kind of just starting to catch up. Um, but yeah, I thought uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was her usual solid self in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, like I said, like the parts that we got where she was actually doing stuff uh, was done really well. Um, and like, obviously the, the ending where she's, uh, she's reflecting <laughs> in the back of the ambulance. That's, uh, that was, that was pretty rough. It's like that, that poor girl just, just traumatized. And in yeah. that time, like things are timeline that, that things are finally over, but, um, it's going to live with her for the, for the rest of her life. And, um, I just, uh, I think now Jamie Lee Curtis has said that she's not going to do any more sequels which i mean is probably good she's she's done a lot of halloween films now and i don't think we need to see the the we don't need to see the strode story anymore we could we could do for something for something else but uh i do find myself sometimes if i'm feeling up to it and i have a lot of spare time i will watch the original uh and this one back to back um just to see the full uh story of the original original laurie strode uh, timeline. That's what I was thinking. Next time I do a <clears throat> original rewatch, I was gonna t- tack on the sequel to the end of it. Not a bad idea, man. Experience. All right, man. We'll 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 have some other characters to talk about where she'll probably get looped in, and uh, uh, obviously in our key scenes section, we'll we'll talk about her a little more. But for now, let's move on to our next character, Doctor Sam Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance. Dr. Loomis is a dedicated psychiatrist who has been pursuing Michael Myers since the original film. In Halloween 2, he remains relentless in his mission to stop Michael's murderous rampage, even when local authorities are skeptical. His desperation to prevent more bloodshed drives him. Oh my god, Keller. I can't wait for you to see the uh, 4 and 5, because Dr. Loomis gets like progressively crazier, just like like unhinged, and uh, I'm going to, I did the same, I did this for our original Halloween episode, but I did like a bunch of different mashup of sound bites and, and lines from him from the first film and the second film, the second awesome. film th- on this film, he has so many notable so many. lines that are just absolutely amazing. And he's really become, um, on, on the edge of an unhinged. And I mean, he, I guess he is pretty unhinged, uh, towards the tail end of this film, but Oh my gosh, Donald Pleasant's another phenomenal performance. Uh, I just love, I shot him six times. He's not human. He's not human. And, uh, you know, just one of my favorite lines of all time is Michael Myers is 21. Like, just the monotone when they're looking at the charred body of poor Ben Tramer who got fucking railed <laughs> by a police. Like, that's another just, I mean, we can get into that later. We'll get but, to that. But uh, just in- insanity where, you know, they're driving around, he's waving his gun around and he's uh, like, also, I like laughed out loud because I forgot like how mean he is to uh, Nurse Chambers. When, when everyone, they, everyone, he's like, just like slagging off every like the first line we get from him or the first interaction is with the neighbor. He's yeah. like, hey, you're like, like scaring, scaring me to death or whatever. He's like, you don't know what death is. Runs yeah. away. The, the neighbor, he's, he's like, he's like, well, this is the funny part. He goes, call, call the sheriff. Tell him I shot him. 
That's all he says. And he's like, just just tell the sheriff that this you, you shot him. Like what? And then, <laughs> and then the and then the neighbor's like, I've been trick or treated to death tonight. He's like, you don't know what death is. Be do do be do. Then the fucking music comes in. <laughs> Just, uh, I was so hyped though when the when the when he had his line and then the music came in, I was like, "Yes, this is what I've been living for." Yep, this is what Getting I this is what I signed season. up for. This, this had is, my Reese's cups, had my cider. I was like, "I am watching Loomis go nuts, watching Michael Myers." This is what I need. Yep, this is this is exactly what you signed up for. This is spooky season right here. This 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 is amazing. But um, yeah, like I said, another great performance by by dr by dr loomis or donald pleasant's portraying dr loomis and um yeah there's definitely we talked about in the first film there being the the hero complex with with uh dr loomis and that goes to a whole nother level in this one where even when like the the police police officers are like he's dead like we can we can pull everyone like the night's over and he's still like I know, I know he's still alive and I have to be the one that fucking kills him. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has like kind of a savior God complex yep. in this movie where <clears throat> like he, there's no authority but him. Like he answers to no one and he is just a force of nature working against Michael Myers. I, I love this character so much. Like I wish I could like play a version of him in D and D or something and just like get into his shoes. Yeah. He's, he's, he's great. And the line that I was going to say was when he brings uh he's like holding the nurse chambers and the, and the marshal at gunpoint and he brings him into the hospital and uh, he's like, yeah, go look down there. And the nurse chambers like says something to him and she kept saying like, Dr. Loomis, like you're like, what are you like? You should rethink what you're doing. And he's like, shut up. He just kept telling her to shut up. And I just like, I kept laughing out loud. He's just like, shut up, woman. Get out of here. Go, go do something. I'm just like, God damn, this is, he is a lunatic in this film. But yeah, it's, it, it was awesome. It was awesome to watch. I, 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 I laugh every time I, I rewatch this film. No, he was making me laugh out loud multiple times. Yeah. Like the, the nurse who came to like fetch him to go, come back to the sanitarium Every time she's like, I have something important to tell you. And he's just like pondering on the meaning of a Celtic, like yeah. witch tradition or something. And like saying solilo- soliloquies and not letting her get a word out. That's, that's actually, that's funny you bring that up. Cause I was going to say that next was like when they're yeah back in the car, she's like, I have something very important to tell you. And then he just goes, Sam Hain, you know, the meaning behind that. And he yeah, goes into this whole <laughs> spiel, like doesn't even like acknowledge that she like said this and she goes, she doesn't even say like anything. She doesn't respond to that. She goes, Dr. Loomis, I really need to tell you about uh, a sealed file. And he goes, I've seen, I've seen them all. <laughs> I've seen everything for Michael Myers. Like, oh my God, this guy is just You're telling me nothing it. new. Yeah. It was just fucking so funny. But um, yeah, you have anything else to add on, on Dr. Loomis? I'm sure we'll talk about him more in the key scenes, but. That's all I got. No, yeah, we need to we need to talk more about Loomis, but that's uh, that's my definite impression of him. One of my favorite characters ever. <laughs> all right, man. Well, let's move on to uh, the main antagonist, the the one and only Michael Myers, played by a different actor this time around, uh, Dick Warlock, who's the original uh, stunt actor. Uh, so he's like a stunt actor, obviously, throughout Hollywood. 
Um, but Michael Myers is the iconic and silent killer in the infamous White Mask. In Halloween 2, he continues his relentless pursuit of Laurie Strode, leaving a trail of violence and terror. Michael is a cold, emotionless force of evil. So Warlock, Dick Warlock, that last name should sound familiar because we watched uh, Society and his son, Billy Warlock, played Billy in that. Um, uh, Dick Warlock... I think he's probably up there with Nick Castle and portraying uh, Michael Myers or the shape. And the funny thing about this film is that when people refer, refer to Michael Myers as the shape, they, they refer to this film. They're like Halloween two is when Michael Myers truly embodies uh, that, that iconic name of the shape. And, and I agree. I think that he's terrifying. He's like, it just doesn't feel like there's any like, mankind or human behind that mask when when dick warlock puts it on like when he's walking down the stairs and he's like not even looking down he's like looking straight up and just at this slow pace like he's never like from the first film it's not that he was like running or anything but when when fast walk yeah like laurie's looking at him at the top of the stairs when she falls down he's kind of like fast walking down the stairs like nope this this michael myers is a little different and uh, they use the original mask. That is the original mask. That's not a new mask at all. It's just Dick Warlock has a wider, different shaped head than Nick Castle. So that's why it looks obviously different on him. But uh, it's still, you know, terrifying to see him uh, in, in the full getup. And yeah, just the way he's like cast in the shadows constantly throughout this film. He's in like, I guess a hospital that has no patients and he's just kind of wandering free um, around there. It's, you know, and obviously he's taking more damage. He's getting shot more and he's getting up and uh, just seems like an, an uh, immovable object or just kind of immortal. There, there is this, this notion that once uh, Halloween four or Halloween five comes around that they kind of consider Michael Myers as like the Terminator yeah. Just like at that point, he's like really unstoppable and you can't really do anything to him. Uh, so I think this is kind of like teetering on the edge of him becoming uh, the Terminator type, especially like he just like walks through a pane of glass, uh, a glass door. Like it's like no problem. That was kind of ridiculous, but also kind of kind of funny. I but love that. Michael Myers, uh, like I said, it, we're getting into that huge slasher era where like he still has those same elements of really just being like uh, like stalking and creeping and then his kills are getting a little more brutal you know just because they want to kind of punch it up a, a little bit more and like some of the kills that i'm thinking of are uh you know drowning somebody and like scalding their fucking head and in a hot tub and then the needles uh, needles and, and a scalpel like lifting that nurse up i mean uh putting like fucking uh putting a hammer in the security guard's head oh, like, yeah. like all those are ones that didn't really seem michael myers-esque like you know I, i'm used to and he did a few of these where it's just a quick quick stab you know choking someone out uh certain kills like that but uh yeah what are your sorry i've kind of been rambling here but what are your overall thoughts on michael myers in in, in this film no i appreciate the rambling the uh, i i definitely saw the the ramp up to the um to what the usual slasher is which is like 
getting less and less time between kills and um, the focus being on the kills, which is, I think, why the original Halloween is so great for me is, and so many other people is, it's the focus is on the the build of tension and the suspense and um, like the yeah the stalking is what terrifies you more so than like the the gratification of the kills right um and i thought they still did the like the just like the slow methodical stalking around of michael really well in this movie which is why i I liked it a lot but yeah you you mentioned um the hot like this possible apparently with no patience which i like that i didn't even like really register that that was true. There's really just Lori and like three babies in that hospital. <laughs> that was all the patients of the Haddonfield Hospital at the time. And the Very boy, he- healthy people. And the boy who had a razor blade stuck in his mouth. I was wondering what that was. Yeah, it was like I could, the, I could not tell. Yeah, the old like wives' tale where yeah, yeah, check your candy or else because some people might put a like, which has never happened, but. Uh, just kind of a play on the Halloween season. I thought that was kind of, kind of funny. And it was That's funny when clever. they came in. They're like, I think we need to see a doctor right away. And they're like, No, uh, the doctor's busy with another patient, which was a lie. Go into this, go into this uh, room. They're like, Okay. <laughs> Before they even like are that far away, she turns and she says, uh, Go get the doctor. He's drunk. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Doctor Garrett, right? Or what's his name? Uh, Garrett's a security guard. Oh yeah, Doctor. Um, Dr. Mixter. Doctor, Dr. Mixter. She turns and she goes, uh, Dr. Dr. Mixter's coming back from a, from a party. Like basically like, like he's drunk. <laughs> you can tell that he's like been drinking all night long. And I was just, Oh my God, like this is, this is insanity right here. And like, yeah, but, um, also this town for a, or this hospital for a town that has like, like 50,000 plus people has, one doctor one drunk doctor and like four college nurses yeah and then emt <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, that's the entire staff yeah it's 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 one and, and on halloween night the doctor's like off or something or he he's or maybe he's like on he's obviously on shift but or maybe on call and he decides to go to a fucking party and get drunk and then they have no other doctors there like it just was <laughs> it was kind of crazy to me i mean like whatever like i think that's obviously a part of the reason why they received the critic score that it got was just some of like those elements like what the fuck is going on here like this just doesn't seem like it's not making sense like it no doesn't go hand in hand here but uh yeah like how you mentioned the whole the environment the hospital environment feeling a little abandoned like that that's the environment that Michael Myers like thrives in. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but like they would show some of like the security security cams and he'd be kind of like moving from one room into the, into the next room and like just barely like out of sight or like even in the background, he'd be lurking around a corner. And, and those are things I didn't, I didn't notice on the first watch, but then like, you know, I've watched it 15, 20 times now. And you pick up on those things or he's behind the curtain and, and yeah, he's just kind of like, it's, it's a perfect element for, for Michael Myers to, to stalk and kill. Yeah. And I think Dick Warlock really took the best parts of the original Michael Myers and um, like emphasize those 
like yeah. the the slow walk, the eventual like Terminator walk, um, yeah. is just perfect. Especially yeah, like seeing him in the security cameras behind the security guard. Just there's no like rush to not be seen or anything. He is just um, like a shadow moving across the night, and um, like it doesn't matter if you do see him, he is just going to come at you and get you. Yep. He's, and he's like the a... little, the little head tilts and the, like you, you wonder what's getting his attention or like what could be interesting to Michael Myers, but he's like taking note of things and um, he's smarter than he, like I always, I never thought of Michael Myers as a, like a guy who, or like a, movie monster who like learns and adapts to things but um he's like taking out people's uh like fuel lines on their car and they're he's slashing tires and taking out the telephone lines yeah um and like learning how to use hypodermic needles and <laughs> he knows how to drive he's learned a lot in prison or in yeah. uh, his uh, sanitarium somebody must be giving him lessons <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought Warlock did an awesome job. Awesome. Well, yeah, like like I mentioned with the other characters, like uh, we'll talk more about Michael Myers and, and the key scenes here. But let's let's move on to our next uh, character on the list. All right. So next we have Sheriff Lee Brackett, played by Charles Cyphers. So Sheriff Brackett is the head of the Haddonfield Police Department. He is deeply concerned about the safety of his daughter Annie and becomes involved in the search for Michael Myers. Brackett is determined to protect his town from the horrors that have returned. Yeah, my one problem with this film is I wanted more Sheriff Brackett. Like, I don't like mm. that they just took him out of the film after he finds, uh, you know, his daughter dead. But I thought, like, I really enjoy uh, him from the first film. And I'm excited to see him. I was excited to see him in this film and maybe have an expanded role. But, I mean, I understand, like, he's taken out because even after he sees Annie, he's, you know, he's just lost. He's like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta call my wife before she hears from someone else. And damn you for bringing this evil to this town. And and then you know, obviously, Loomis is like deflecting. He's like, I did not bring this evil to this town. <laughs> he says that about ten times in this movie. Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm telling to- them to restrain him. It wasn't me. Yeah, I'm trying to stop this evil. And uh, so yeah, we get a little bit of a little bit of a bracket, but uh, you know, driving in the car with Loomis before you know the Ben Tramer incident, and then. Uh, that's one of my favorite lines of how deputy Garrett hunt, Gary hunt. Uh, he, he delivers it when he like pulls up and he's like three bodies. One of them was Annie. Yeah. And I mean, I get chills. Cause like, I mean, I felt like he was trying to give it his all there, but yeah, just the delivery is a little, I mean, it's, gave it's, it's, his all. it's emotional, but it's, it's little, it's a little comical, like how, how he says it, but um, zoinks. Zoinks, Annie, dead. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was great to see him back in, in this film. I, like I said, I wish there was a little bit more of a like a re- maybe not like a revenge plot line for Sheriff Rack, but more of like a like I need to get like I'd rather have him be like I I need to get the job done now. Like him being more of like exactly. the, the protector is. Uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like the instead of getting Gary Hunt kind of traveling with uh, Loomis for the rest of the movie, I think that should have been like the 
I mean, they made the log lo- like the logical choice in a movie where they made like no other logical choices of having <laughs> Brackett like go home and be with his family. <laughs> but like in this world, he should have um, been like, okay, my mind has changed. Like I'm not like he was. I love their back and forth, Loomis and Brackett in the car, where Loomis is just getting or Brackett's getting fed up with Loomis just like. Ordering him, ordering him to do whatever he wants. Um, now he's like, okay, doctor, like we're gonna go take care of this patient of yours together, uh, no matter what. I think that could have been, um, but I, I think they might have needed in this movie Loomis to be like the one driving force um, for like the rest of the townspeople, um, making him. I think it would take too much away from Loomis to have Brackett also being like on the war path right. by his side. So I, I, I do see where that decision could come from, but that would have been fun to see the two of them still jawing at each other and making, making quips. Yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. On that note, we were talking about deputy Gary, Gary Hunt. Do you want to move on to him or do you have more on, on Sheriff Brackett? Oh, let's talk about Gary. Okay, so uh, Deputy Gary Hunt, uh, portrayed by Hunter Von Leer, a law enforcement officer in the small town of Haddonfield, where the events unfold. Uh, he's a dedicated and diligent member of the, the police department. He takes his responsibilities seriously and becomes involved in the search for Michael Myers, the re- relentless killer stalking the town. He's portrayed as a competent and concerned officer who must grapple with the escalating horror and violence brought about by Michael Myers. Uh he basically steps in and acts uh, as the acting sheriff for, for Lee Brackett. Um, yeah, I actually really like uh, Deputy Gary Hunt because it, it feels like he's he's a little more uh, open to... Uh, he's he's kind of just like, he, he's like, I'm going to bring Loomis along with me. But you don't really get that back and forth that we talked about with, with no, Brackett no. and Loomis. But it seems like he would maybe li- he listened more to, to Loomis, especially when they pulled all the officers when they're in the, the coroner's office and they're, they're looking at the dental uh, or looking at the victim's teeth. And uh, he's like, we need to put the, the officers back out there. And then like, I thought it was good that he didn't push back and he was just like, pull everyone out, check every house, check every backyard. And, he, and then the, that other deputy came in. He's like, we just sent everyone home. He's like, I don't care. Get their asses back out there. So it definitely felt like he was taking his job seriously, but it was the same thing from the first film. Um, and with bracket where it's like at the end of it, he just like when Loomis has to go with the marshal, he just kind of like disappears or it doesn't disappear. Mm-hmm. Just like doesn't become part of the film anymore. What do, What are your thoughts on uh, deputy hunt? No. Yeah. Like I thought he was the um, kind of quieter, sensible, logical, which is, kind of a refreshing change of pace for a lot of the characters in this franchise. I feel like most, most of the people just like have gut reaction. Like they just follow their first thoughts with everything that yeah. they do. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought this, like, I, I think it just does co- come down to the makers just wanted uh, Donald Pleasance to shine in those climactic mm-hmm. moments without anybody else shooting guns. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. And I liked one of his lines where 
didn't he say like the only uh, gunfire you'd ever hear is like the local track meet when they're shooting off the the gun to to start the race you know he's like basically saying like this has always been a really quiet town and you do get a little bit more background on him saying like yeah i was 16 when that strode girl or not the strode girl but uh when michael when he was six when he when he killed his sister he's like i was 16 years old and since then it's been really quiet around here you know like uh obviously been in the he like grew up in in haddonfield and uh he seemed yeah like you said like competent and like able to grasp the situation especially when like you kind of had that little bit of a mob in front of the Myers house like throwing rocks through the windows and and freaking out and he you know shoots a shotgun in the air and he's like like everybody go home like knock it off he's trying to control the situation and um I know you haven't seen like four or five but uh like this isn't a big spoiler but he he doesn't return like not a big surprise because he wasn't even at the end of this movie, but I was kind of hoping that maybe he became the sheriff. And then when they returned to the franchise in four and five, that he would have been like the acting sheriff and would have been familiar with the, with the situation. I think that would have been a really good uh, storyline. Yeah. Bon voyage, Gary Hunt, Gary Hunt. Hope he's doing well. All right, man. Well, let's, uh, we're kind of, uh, get into some of the uh, hospital cast here. That's like our home stretch. So let's let's start with them. Okay. Yeah. All right. So next up on our character list, we have Jimmy, played by Lance Guest. Jimmy is a compassionate paramedic who works at the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. He becomes one of Laurie Strode's allies as they, as they try to escape from Michael Myers. Jimmy's kind-hearted nature makes him a sympathetic character in the chaos. I love Jimmy. Jimmy's one of my favorite all-time Halloween. Uh, franchise characters um i just like that's a great description of him just he's sympathetic he's compassionate towards uh you know laurie showed a little bit of a like love interest type type thing there that doesn't really come to fruition because of the chaos that they're in but uh he seems quite competent as a character um you know he he understands the situation that they're in he's not taking it lightly obviously doesn't like the comments that his fellow paramedic bud is, is making who's like making light of the situation the entire time but yeah i just i go back to where he's checking in on Lori. he's like thirsty you want a coke like i'll get you some stuff and like i i like that but here's the thing i hated that when he comes across miss alves mrs alves uh, body that he just like slips in the puddle of blood and like smokes his head and like is unconscious for I guess like the rest of the movie until he gets in the car. I was that, wondering that, what you'd think about that. Yeah. So he get like, I, I thought he was like, okay, so he just died from like a concussion or a brain bleed. And then he, like he gets in the car. He's like, I'm going to get us out of here. And then he dies, you know, or and I, actually, I don't even know if he dies. He just like, he, he I know, think falls. he just, yeah, just passed out again. He passed out, falls over, hits, hits the horn, obviously alerts like where, where Lori's at, which isn't good. But, uh, that's always been like a big question about Jimmy's character is, you know, whether or not he died. Cause it's, it's kind of ambiguous, but apparently, so there was like a TV version of Halloween two, And then you got the film version. So the film version is what we watched, right? Where he passes out in that, that car and we don't ever see him again. And the TV version, when Lori gets in the back of the ambulance, Jimmy is also in the back of the ambulance with her. So he does survive. So I, probably take that as canon as as that's the way 
that's Jimmy's fate is that he he ends up surviving the night and then they they have a lot of uh really cool um like fan fan fiction or fan theories where uh when Lori ends up having a daughter later on that she they live happy like her and Lance or not Lance but her and Jimmy end up getting together and they're the ones that have uh uh a daughter together so what what are your thoughts on Jimmy um yeah, you mentioned the the love interest between them and that kind of like came out of left field for me like well Lori was in the back of the ambulance in the, in the beginning and I love that the I think it was Bud who was like, Do you know this chick? Yeah. And Jimmy goes, Yeah, it's my was his little little brothers like in her in his class, Lori was. Yep. Um so when he went into her hospital room and like staring at her and then started stroking her hand, I was like, So is he like lying to Bud earlier about like how well he knew her and they had already had like a past? together and like the way Lori like woke up and looked like smiled and looked at him I was like oh she like knows Jimmy and yeah like they've they've like maybe had a relationship before but and like he's like being super nice to her and like getting her stuff and they're smiling at each other um just this but later on he's like I know you barely know me but like I'm gonna keep you safe I was like, so that was just like instant connection between the two of them, her waking up from her. Maybe she was like completely on drugs at that point. That's why she was smiling up at him so serenely. But uh, yeah, I was like immediately a little put off by him, like standing silently and staring at her in her room and then <laughs> stroking her hands. Uh, otherwise he seemed uh, like helpful and, and nice. Um but uh, yeah, Jimmy, just uh, wait for her to wake up and then you can talk to her. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think that that's a good point that you make there because she's also all drugged up and maybe that's why she has that type of like reaction to him. And um, like, I, I don't know, like, it's funny because like, so Holly ended up watching Halloween 2 with me. And she's seen it before and she's always said like, I love Jimmy. And like, she never really has like a connection or like, like a lot of thoughts on some of these characters because sometimes obviously slasher characters are so shallow and are hollow Mm -hmm. and she's like no i just like i really like his character because he seems like he he truly cares about her in a very innocent way and i'm like yeah like i i totally agree i i really i really like his uh his character and like the concern that he has and that he's taking things uh seriously and i felt like that was a much needed character in this film yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I might have taken it. I probably took it completely, um, uh, like not seeing it as like a, like a safekeeping, platonic, like friendly, um, relationship that he was uh, going for with her. Because also, Bud, Bud was like implying that he was wanting to, um, like hit on Lori or whatever. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, Jip, my, uh, my thoughts, I mean, the hand stroking while she's asleep, a little weird still to me, but, <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, yeah, like a horde and slashers, especially do you need like those platonic, uh, innocent, like 
just well-meaning characters for sure yeah definitely agree so awesome well let's let's move on to the complete inverse of uh jimmy's character and uh his uh partner in crime or i guess just co-worker and and bud the other paramedic played by leo rossi so bud is an orderly at the hospital or paramedic at the hospital who becomes involved in the escalating horror he is known for his brash and comedic personality providing moments of levity amidst the tension uh i actually do like i i like to i think fondly on bud when i think back on this film um obviously he meets his demise with uh michael myers uh choking him out he's like that that prototypical horny male character in a slasher film like that's all he was really trying to trying to do and he was kind of being a dick but i've seen him in other films i i like the the actor in leo rossi uh a lot but um yeah he uh like you said he's like you know this chick and then he's like yeah it's laurie showed you know my my brother is in her class and then he's just like her her pops own uh strode realty and he's like yep and then he just goes okay (laughs) i'm glad you brought that there were some just like throwaway lines in this movie i wouldn't be able to like remember any other ones but where it was just like half a conversation that really went to nowhere but i love that they added them just because it's kind of realistic or <laughs> right like i mean it makes like it doesn't add anything to the movie but it like i kind of kind of chuckled when when things like that would happen because like why, <laughs> why is he asking about that is that is that interesting or is that going to connect to something okay yeah exactly and then like obviously when he's in the break room with uh with janet he's just being an asshole to her being like he's like swearing and stuff and like like we'll get to janet but i really disliked that character she was so fucking annoying now i don't like you have to swear and he's like i guess i fuck up all the time just being like an ass to her like and then like totally being condescending and like shooting down like yeah my friend said she saw him walking in the fields yesterday which is actually really cool like like world building uh in, in in the Halloween films and uh which would be super creepy to be like, yeah, oh my god, all this crazy stuff happened. I saw him in the fields yesterday, yeah. like during the daytime. And like, yeah, she's a fucking idiot. She didn't see shit. You know, just like totally just like disregarding her her comment and just being an asshole to her, you know? And uh another thing on his character, just a little background that that song he sang, Amazing Grace, come sit on my face. You'll make me cry. I'll eat your pie. Like that was completely improvised, which he probably does that in every role that he gets. Just like throws that in. Yeah, like, I'm going to I'm going to do a little song here, if you don't mind. Right. Yeah. And then uh, I'm going to say is that the, the reason why he did that is like they wanted they, they were like, yeah, but we want him to be like, you know, like they wanted him to like improvise something. And they couldn't use like get the rights to using that song because I think it was probably like super expensive. So he did his own little rendition of it. And I'm like, yep, that that totally fits his character. And did you notice that he never I don't think he ever called Jimmy by his name. He always just called him college boy. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to be like condescending. How old, how old is Leo or well, I suppose Leo could become a paramedic without going to college. But. Right. Yeah. But um yeah the total inverse from from jimmy which i thought was uh kind of funny but yeah obviously like i mentioned before um 
I was I've always been a little over or underwhelmed by uh, Bud's death scene, but then again, it goes back to him, Michael Myers, his mo of like like the silent killer, like a quick stab or like you know choking someone, and that's exactly what what happened. Is I don't know if he had like some type of like fiber wire type thing, but he or like like a like a rope or something, but he strangled him uh, from behind. I was I was kind of not that I was like hoping like he would get fucked up or anything, but like maybe a little bit more from his uh, death scene than that. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Bud's death scene? Uh, well, um, yeah, I think it was like one of those ones where like what became common, I feel like in slashers was when there's a man and a woman, the man gets the quick, like um, the quick death. Yeah when he's like going to take care of something and then the woman is just like left helpless to be dealt like the insane <laughs> like yeah. over the top death so there's a little i mean that was yeah definitely one of the more brutal i mean up to that point 100 percent the most brutal death in halloween oh. between the original and that one like yeah for sure um but you're right where it's almost like Myers is, and and, and, that, and I think I've made comments about this before where in the slasher era, in the 80s, they had a problem with like completely brutalizing women and giving them like the more torturous or br- brutal death scenes. And the men kind of get these quick, you know, not that any death is easy, but like easy type death. Like he's, he got strangled and she got scalded <laughs> and <laughs> to death. Uh, yeah, so uh like that that seemed to be a theme uh throughout this film and obviously this isn't the only film that that the had that issue where the the women are getting these terrible deaths and the um the men are kind of being dispatched uh rather quickly yeah i was gonna say that about the in that scene where he's uh being an asshole to all of his coworkers. um I think after he says, like, I guess I fuck up all the time, he looks, like, really, like, sheepish but self-satisfied when yeah. uh, Janet's walking out of the room. And the, the, he's, like, kind of like, oh, did I do that? But his <laughs> the, the thing I noticed was, like, his mouth was shrinking into a singularity on his face. <laughs> like, the more smug and self-satisfied Bud gets, the smaller his mouth gets in this movie. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, this guy is like a dude that we would never want to hang out with, or a guy that we don't really like. I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to like really encounter someone like this, like very like self-centered, condescending so asshole. Um, and obviously, it goes back to what I said about him just being like this horned up male character where when nurse Karen shows up like the entire time, he's just like scaring her hitting on her trying to coax her to, to fucking go have sex with him or do something. And somewhere in the hospital while she's like supposed to be the one taking care of the babies. And it's like, God damn it, dude. And her is like, can we go to the therapy room? My finger needs a little bit of therapy. I'm like, come on, man. Like you're just, you're slime. You're slime, bro. You're a slime dog. Do you think he he or Linda's boyfriend are a bigger slime dog? <sighs> oh, Bud and Bob are in the same uh, the same tier. Uh, definitely Bob <laughs> with his comment about 
uh, ripping Lindsay's clothes off. He he's a bigger slime slime dog. Um, yeah. And Bob got a little more deserving. Not that he deserved to die, but like in in the aspects of the film, more deserving death. Like came face to face with Michael Myers, tried to you know fight him off, and gets fucking stuck up on a flimsy ass uh, <laughs> um, snack cabinet door, uh, and then I don't even think Bud saw Michael Myers at all. He he got strangled from from behind, and yeah, so he uh, I guess he got off a little easier than than Bob did. But yeah, I would consider those two probably in the same realm of, of, uh, like male characters. I mean, yeah, obviously Bob was also, uh, the horned up male in, uh, in the first one. Yeah. Horned up males just evolved over time in these slasher films. Yeah, of course. It became like a caricature of themselves. All right, man. Uh, you want to move on to the next character? Yeah. All right. So next up we got uh, Mrs. Alves played by Gloria Gifford. Mrs. Alves is a dedicated nurse. I think she's the head nurse, the charge nurse at the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital who tries to keep order during the chaos caused by Michael Myers' presence. She plays a crucial role in caring for the injured and protecting patients. Uh, I really liked uh, Mrs. Alves in this. Like, she was like a no-nonsense, like, get get the job done. Like, she was the adult in the room, <clears throat> is what I would consider, even with, like, the doctor mixer being there, like, being drunk and everything like she's like i'm gonna have to be the one taking charge of this situation making sure everything's organized and um yeah I, i'm i'm interested because obviously she wasn't she was an off-screen death i'm wondering what happened to her because i've always just thought that like somehow michael myers knew how to stick an IV <laughs> in her or a needle and then like just drain her of all of her blood but i did notice this time around that i've never noticed before um her stethoscope was around her neck in a really weird way. And in previous watches, I've just, I'm like, oh, just like, that's what nurses do. They wear a stethoscope around their neck, like at all times. And like, maybe it was just like, it was just laying there. But a part of me kind of feels like he might've like strangled her unconscious and then did that. But also that was like really out of left field, the way that Michael Myers ended up killing her. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's like a really cool um like way for him to drain somebody of all their blood but they yeah it's very not michael myers to me like just mainlining uh somebody's blood out of them like that's a like getting a needle into somebody's vein is a very tricky thing for yeah like ex- experienced nurses to do right let alone a guy who just got taught how to drive in his insane asylum yep uh <laughs> somebody must have taught him to do that too but um, I really wish that <clears throat> Mrs. Alvis had made it to the climax of the movie because, yeah, I really liked her too. She's very competent and um, just dealing with all these college students who are working for her, apparently. Like, there's only college-age nurses and paramedics working in this hospital. I thought it was funny when you said that, uh, like, all these people were taken from, like, the class that, uh, was it? Rosenthal or Rosenhaus Rosenthal teaching. Yep. Rosenthal um, so I was like these all these are all college students here like there's such a young uh, staff at this hospital um, and when Jimmy <laughs> ran down the hallway towards the camera at, toward the end of the film I was like that looks like a guy running across a stage he seems like a, a theater <laughs> kid yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. I, I, that actually stuck out to me watching it uh, this time around, where the camera was like almost like set on the hospital floor as he's like uh-huh. running, and it was like these really weird strides. <laughs> really graceful. Yeah. So I, 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 I completely strides. agree with you. Um, I, she almost felt like a parent in the situation. Like yes. I, I liked how when she noticed like the phones weren't working, she. It, it, it's funny because it felt like she she was just trying to do her job but at times it was like she was starting to kind of catch on like yeah, something's not right here and especially in that phone when the phones weren't working and Lori's like what's going on and like as a parent you don't want to like freak mm-hmm. out your kids and she's kind of being a parent to her patients or whatever and to her staff and she's like nothing for you to worry about turns to Janet another reason why I don't like Janet she's like uh, run down to Mr. Garrett and tell him to check the phone lines and you know take care of the situation. Yeah, like, that's all the way. Turns around, to, turns around, Janet. We're in big fucking trouble. We're we got a panic. Yeah. Lori's <laughs> yeah. like right behind her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, nothing like, for you to worry about. Jesus Christ, what's happening around here? <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely liked your character, but yeah, I just thought it was. You talk about Michael Myers being able to adapt and like learning things. And I think he's uh, very cognizant of his uh, his environment and his victims. And I think he was also probably probably noticing that this uh, Miss Al- Mrs. Alves is about to become a problem, and that he needed to to take out that problem. That was his next victim. True. She probably could have won the one then. Yeah. So um, yeah, I like Nur- uh, Nurse Alves. So yeah. do you want to move on to the to the next character? Who we got? All right, we're on the home stretch here. We got uh, Nurse Karen Bailey, played by Pamela Susan Shoup. I like that name. Uh, Nurse Karen is a compassionate and diligent healthcare professional working at the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. Uh, Karen's caring nature and dedication to her patients make her a sympathetic character in the midst of chaos. I kind of agree with that, kind of don't, because it's like, I mean, if Bud wasn't there, I feel like she would have been like fully attentive to the the children the baby wing that she was supposed to be you could tell that in the entire time she's like i can't do this bud like i have to watch these the babies like you know what i mean like and i, I she, she we saw her at the beginning of the film she showed up late she was you know 10 15 minutes late but then again we get that line from mrs alve saying like you're a great nurse we would hate to lose you you know you need, you need to be more functional uh punctual and uh and be on time for your for your shifts but uh also kind of funny like a nurse went to a halloween party i think she drove so she obviously didn't seem like she was drinking or anything but uh just kind of funny that she went to uh right halloween. before her shift yeah right before her shift she's going to this like halloween party and stuff but uh like we mentioned before she probably got the worst death in in this film and so far in the halloween uh franchise uh got some interesting background information on on her uh, for her death scene so obviously they go into the hot tub and uh myers is messing with the temperature turning it up really hot she's like it's getting it's getting really hot in here and can you go turn it down or check it out and bud's like it's so cold out here i loved her line where she's like it can get cold in here you know i mean like yeah we i'm about to stop oh, get the point. but uh yeah she she gets out she's sitting there and uh once bud's uh taken care of and I loved this scene because it was so creepy when Michael Myers comes out and he's behind her. And then she's like, she's like, bud, like, I really need to get back to the, 
to my job basically um let's get breakfast in the morning you know like i'm sorry about this like she just seemed like a really uh like nice girl good character but here's the background information when myers puts his hand on her shoulder and she grabs his hand and starts like kissing and licking and like sucking on his fingers that was completely improvised and dick warlock dick warlock said that like he was like surprised and kind of horrified because he had no idea she was going to do that and he said like i had like dirt and like all this all these like gross things all these gross things on my hand like not just like makeup it was just from being dirty from like just shooting that day and he was like oh my god like this this is uh surprising but i thought it was a really nice touch because even at the end of it actually got like done like sucking on his like thumb or his finger she like noticed like this tastes bad. This tastes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, instantly, you've got to taste like that. Uh, Michael Myers is not washing his hands and has blood all over them. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> I'm like, oh my god. And then, uh, so this actress, she ended up having an ear infection during the shoot, ex- uh, especially during the scene. Um, so that hot tub that they had wasn't actually hot. The it was cold water. It was, they just had the bubbles going or the jets going and she had such a bad ear infection that like she couldn't hear out of her ear and they kept like, you know, they had to do multiple takes of her, you know, put, putting her head in. And then obviously when he would pull her head out, she'd be, you know, getting scalded and like looking more burnt. That was all obviously prosthetics. Um, it, I guess it was just a grueling process and Dick Warlock like was really worried and he even told like the director and like some of the crew members, like, let's do this another time. Like, the, like I don't, but she, she was like, no, like let's finish a shot. Like I'm here and I'm doing this. Let's, let's get it done. So she powered through it. Um, obviously like gave a really great performance in her death scene where it didn't feel like she was out of it or, uh, or anything. So um, yeah, I, I thought that she was a pretty good character and obviously had like the most gruesome death of, of, of the, of the movie. What do you have anything to add on, on nurse Karen? No, going back to the, the finger kissing, like it did look <laughs> like, uh, Michael Myers was like revolted by it and like whipped his hand back to his side yeah. before killing her. Um, I was interested in this universe, what Michael Myers would have thought of something like that? Like, would it yeah. just confuse him? Would it anger him? Or who knows? Well, you there, think? there is a little bit of like, you know, a, a, a peeping Tom to to Michael Myers. Like, we're in the first in the first film when he's little, he's kind of like watching his sister and you know sneaking up on her when she's like topless and and stuff like that. And then obviously watching Annie. Uh, and Linda, and then Lori, and then met, like now this with uh, with a uh, nurse, nurse Karen, and they they talk about him being a bit of a a peeping tom, and maybe there being like this, um, I don't know, like some some type of like sexual thing with uh, with Michael Myers. I don't like to believe that. I don't believe like to believe there's anything uh, beyond him being the shape. I think that makes him the scariest. So uh, I don't really buy into to all of that but i could see how some people could um but yeah as far as like what he's thinking i'm sure he's just i don't know if he's just like revolted by the 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 sexuality of of women and he that like that got him angry or something i have no idea yeah i do like to think that's just like a little uh 
I like to think of him having as few emotions as possible. Uh, maybe it's just like slight confusion because it's just not, it's just unexpected for him. Like what, whatever's happening right now isn't usually what's is happening before I kill somebody. So right. um, just gave him like a little bit of pause. Yep. All right, man. Well, let's move on to the next character here. We got Nurse Jill Franco, played by Tawny Moyer. Nurse Jill Franco is another member of the hospital staff who finds herself caught up in the nightmare when Michael Myers arrives. She's, she's a skilled, level-headed helping to care for patients while training to stay safe from, from the re- relentless killer. Um, I think this is the, uh, the blonde uh, nurse who like made it throughout most of the film, but she seemed like to me, like probably one of the more responsible of like the college nurses or college staff, uh, that we at least that we got to see um she's obviously the one that uh towards the end when when jimmy is like talking to her like i'm gonna go look for uh nurse alves and i you you go and you drive down to the sheriff's station and she goes out Mm -hmm. there and tries to start her car and the gas lines cut tires are slashed and she's like yeah there's something seriously wrong here Lori's missing because remember Lori, she gets out of her her hospital bed and Myers is stabbing at it and it's just her pillows and she is in this catatonic state and she's running around and passes out in a different hospital room so they're looking for her as well um so I, our I, one patient we lost our yeah, one patient our one patient besides the babies is is gone check the baby room <laughs> um but I, I really liked her but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on her her death scene because I feel like I know we just talked about uh Karen's death scene being like the most gruesome, but uh, when people think of Halloween two, I think they think of uh, Nurse Jill's death scene the most because it's kind of seems like physically impossible to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Like he go he walks up behind her, which is like obviously terrifying. Like finally finds Lori, and this is when Lori obviously sees Michael for the first time uh, in the film, and he walks up behind Nurse Jill, and he sticks a scalpel in her back and lifts her straight up into the air. And it was a really great final touch of like when she finally passes out, her fucking shoes drop to the ground and then Mm -hmm. he drops her. Here's my thing. She's dead, right? Would that really kill you? I mean, I don't know how far he stuck that into her, into her back, but I'm assuming if you're lifting somebody up with that, I think it's physically impossible, but it's probably driving deeper into her back and probably hitting some organs of some sort. And she bled out and died. But uh, yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on her death scene and maybe the overall character? Well, as we know, Michael, um, it doesn't matter if it's physically impossible for a man because Michael is not a man. He's more like an animal. He's like an animal. He's a force of nature. (laughs) Uh, The Loomis would be sure to remind you that he is he is an animal. Yep. Um, no, I thought that was right up there with one other scene that I'm sure we'll get to is like the two most impactful or like best put together, um, at least death scenes in the movie. Yeah. yeah, the the lifting up, like obviously it's not like physically possible. Like all these people who go that's in the in the original movie when um, the slime ball gets stuck Bob. against the door. Yeah, Bob gets stuck against the door. Like, not physically possible, and the knife wouldn't stay there, but it's awesome. Like, that's, that's yep. a great effect. And 
Um, like it's kind of become Michael's like one of his biggest like just shows of force is um, lifting people up with a tiny sharp object. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was really effective, especially um, this because like in my brain, I was like, he's going to come up uh, behind her and, and kill her while Lori's watching. And it, it happened. And I was like, that's, that was re- a really good spot for Michael to come in. And so scary from the, the being in the spot of Lori. Like, <laughs> okay, finally somebody who can help me. And then Michael's there who she hasn't seen since he stabbed her. Yep. Um, and she's just been dreading him coming back after Jimmy said that that's who is after him, after her. Right. Um, and yeah, with the shoes coming off, I was like, oh, Oh, that's cool. That's a cool little addition to that scene. Yeah. And that's how you know somebody died because <laughs> their shoes came off. The feet go limp and the shoes fall off. All right. They're dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, no but you're question. totally right on that. Like maybe not saying physically impossible, but humanly impossible. And like you just said, Michael Myers is not human, right? My, uh, Dr. Loomis would remind us of that throughout the first two films so um yeah and i guess in that sense it would make sense i think i think i would have preferred her to like maybe not with a scalpel but they're just trying to be like something longer yeah they're trying to be clever like oh he's in a hospital he's gonna use like different hospital equipment and use a scalpel but like if he had like the butcher knife like it would have been like in her back and like seeing it poke through like her her uh the front of her uniform like then out of a holy shit like yeah, that girl's dead, but I've always thought, like, Jill Jill should still be alive, right? <laughs> <laughs> Add it to your fan fiction. Yep. Okay. I do like that Michael just picks up whatever is sharp around him, and, and, like, if he's in a house, he sees an old lady's kitchen knife, he's picking that up to use. If he's in a hospital, he sees a scalpel, it's sharp, he picks it up. Yeah, whatever happened to his? Uh, did you just get bored with the butcher's knife? Because he he made it a point to get into the Elrod's house and 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 take that from her, and then he killed uh, the the first girl in her home and then the next door neighbor with the knife. But then he ditches it right away when he gets to the hospital. I don't know if he was like, "Oh my god, look at how many other things they have here." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, interesting. Uh, he must might have gotten stuck in her clavicle or something. He couldn't get it out. Damn it! Fuck it. Uh, whatever. Just leave it here. But he's got to use a lot of knives for. Well, I think that might have been the knife that he stuck in the school. Um, oh yeah, in yeah. the picture. You're right. I think you're right on that. That's a good. Because he needs his decorative knives and he needs his knives for using on people. That's a good point, Keller. Good. Good to call that out. <clears throat> All right. Let's move on to the next character here. We got Nurse Janet Marshall, played by Anna Alicia. Nurse Janet Marshall is yet another nurse working at the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. She's part of the team that must confront the escalating crisis as Michael Myers stalks the hospital's halls. Her character shows resilience of the hospital staff in the face of the imaginable horror. Like I mentioned before, her character is so annoying to me. She is like, she she should take majority of the blame as the reason why this situation didn't get resolved and the sheriff or the police department didn't didn't show up to the to the hospital because she didn't she was like fucking around with the the walkie talkie that Mr. Garrett gave her, but she was just so like whiny. Well, he wouldn't teach her. She didn't know how to use it. Well, it should have just just keep it on the same fucking. He probably set it up for her. just like keep it on the same channel or 
just use the radio. Yeah, this as this it. is Mr. Garrett's fault. I'm blaming this all on Mr. Garrett. He was he was reading the paper when Michael was going <laughs> across the cameras. He wouldn't teach Janet how to use the walkie-talkie. Oh, we got some opposing views here. You're taking Mr. Garrett. Okay, okay, I got you. Yeah, no, I'm still on the Janet tram. Just she's like fucking around with the dial. I'm just like, stop pressing buttons. Like, if you would have heard that, then you would have been able to. Because I don't think he slashed the tires or done anything with the vehicles at that point. But, uh, but yeah, she was like just super whiny to me. Like very like the part that bothered me the most was when, well, that scene it kind of goes in combination when Miss Mrs. Alves is like run down tell mr garrett to check the phone lines and whatever and she's like that's all the way on the other side of the hall of the hall yeah (laughs) of the hall it's like get your ass down there like what do you shut up janet you're being annoying and like the name like janet is like the perfect name for like an annoying girl um (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry for any janet that might be listening to this but uh and then in combination with the entire time that she's talking to Mr. Garrett, like, yeah, stay here, and then I'll radio into you. And she's like, I don't know how to work this thing. I don't. Know, I've never seen this. Like, whatever. And like that. But then she's also like, uh, I really need to get back on the floor. No, you don't. There's no other patients in this hospital. <laughs> exactly. I'm and so Mrs., busy. And Mrs. Alves gave you a direct order to go talk to Mr. Garrett and and resolve this issue. So she knows where you're at. She knows what you're doing. Why do you all of a sudden have this urgency to get back on the floor? That doesn't make any sense. I need to patrol. I need to patrol the grounds. Yeah. So she I was. I work for Mr. Garrett now. Uh, she was just like super, super annoying to me. And then obviously, I don't know if it was later when, I don't know if it was Jimmy or when Mrs. Alves maybe told her again to like, wasn't it when, uh, oh no. Yeah. It was when Jill came in and was uh, putting the, the light in Lori's eyes and she was like, not moving or anything like oh there's something wrong with her go find dr mixer i think that was the point where she she ran and went to go find dr mixer which that is like a super creepy scene in this film Mm -hmm. when she gets in there it's his dark office the shower's running she comes up to him and it's a callback an homage to the original film when laurie's standing upstairs in the in the wallace house and he's He's slowly appearing uh, behind her from from the shadows and the darkness. And, oh, dude, the needle scene, that just freaked me out. She spins him around. Obviously, Dr. Mixer's got a fucking needle in the eye. He's long gone. He's dead. He, he grabs her, puts the needle in her temple, and injects air into it. Oh, my God, dude. That just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, that scene might be up there for any... Uh, death scene in any horror movie I've watched. Just really? the build up to it with the office and like the the mostly darkness of it, and the doctor just staring blankly at his um, at his aquarium. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, just the, the creepiness of the office, and then spinning him around and seeing the needle through his eye. It has everything that just. I mean, it has darkness, which is a fear for everybody. And for me, seeing needles go into other people, I get super squeamish. Like, is any needle going into skin? Like, any show that shows, um, like, heroin addicts putting needles into their arms, like, I just cannot almost not watch it. Uh, 
but but and, and especially eyeballs like needles around eyeballs is one of the worst things i can imagine 100 um, so to see that and then it like goes back to her and her reaction then michael appears it was so effective it was such a good cinematography for that scene and good use of darkness and that's I think just goes back to like when you said they had the same cinematographer from the first movie. Mm -hmm. That's why I still love this movie so much, despite a lot of its flaws was it's still just like a beautiful use of like minimalist movement and just the use of lighting uh, to, to add to the suspense and horror. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, the needle going into her and, uh, that was so so gruesome yeah dude it was it was bad so yep every time someone was trying to alert the authorities or get help they eventually run into the shape himself so uh nurse janet falls victim to michael myers all right last two characters here we probably don't need to go super in depth about these guys but uh mr garrett so he's a character uh works as a security guard at haddonfield memorial hospital he is portrayed by, oh, no. I don't know if I even have that. Cliff Emmett. Cliff Emmett. So Cliff Emmett portrays Mr. Garrett. Um, so, yeah, he plays the, the security guard. He's a well-intentioned but somewhat bumbling individual. Uh, he becomes aware of the danger posed by Michael Myers when the killer infiltrates the hospital. He makes efforts to protect the staff and patients but is ultimately killed um, when he's trying to to get a hold of Janet on the on the uh, walkie talkie. But yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it before, like blaming Mr. Garrett, like he's reading a newspaper. Um, but then again, it's like, I'm sure he's been in that job for a really long time. It's a quiet town. <laughs> nothing's ever happened. So he doesn't. I mean, I don't blame him. But if he, if he had the radio going to the lo- the one local station that everybody listens to, they'd be talking about the 60 murders that have been happening <laughs> and he, and the fact that he has his the one patient in the hospital is the person that uh, somebody who just like lived through that maybe be a little bit more alert yeah it, it, and you know that's a good point because it also makes me think about like it feels like standard procedure for them to at least send a, a police officer to to the hospital with her after such a crime like that wouldn't that make sense exactly yeah like they're <laughs> It was very minimal uh, follow-up with Lori. Like, the center of the hospital, put her in the bed, like, just knock her out, stitch mm-hmm. her up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Where's, where's so. your parents? Uh, they're maybe at a party somewhere or something. Let's yeah, just knock her out. Don't, don't protect her at all. Her. Yeah, so, I mean, Mr. Garrett, obviously, he had a whew, he had a pretty uh, gruesome death as well. That that made me kind of wince a little bit, the fucking yeah. hammer into the top of the head. The top of the head. Oof, that was something else. But yeah, he got startled by a cat in the dumpster. Um, you know, he's kind of following the, the got trail. Got straight up attacked by a cat oh, they, coming out of the dumpster. They leap at him? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, clung to his chest <laughs> for a bit. That, like a face funny. hugger. Holy shit. I'd be like, fuck this. I'm like, I don't know. I've never... I've no, been... Still got to keep investigating this spot of blood in the dumpster. Yeah, I've, I've honestly never been a security guard or in a position of, like, having to investigate things like that. But, you know, obviously, I think we all as audience mem- members are like, at this point, 
you're seeing blood on the ground radio in help like get back like there's no need for you to like continue following this trail and you know he gets into the i don't even know like a certain wing of the hospital where it's like their storage area and he's just like oh something's definitely wrong here like we I think we probably should do something about there's somebody <laughs> that broke into here it's like you see the blood you, somebody's broken the lock into this area <clears throat> get out what are you doing man like you don't need to play hero and like continue investigating like i didn't even see a weapon on it i didn't see a gun or anything he said like a flashlight he was like, putting two and two together like yeah i guess the only person he had to communicate with if something did go wrong was uh a person who didn't know how to work the walkie-talkie that was connected to his yeah so. you know you, you think he that nothing even back then for the walkie-talkie there would be a certain channel especially being a security guard at the hospital a certain channel that he could switch to to like radio into the police department but i'm sure like there's maybe only one person there or nobody there because they probably had everybody uh, hands on deck for searching for michael myers and inside the town so um whatever certain flaws that obviously contribute to the the critic score that it got and some of the flaws but um rest in peace mr garrett indeed all right you know who would have figured figured out from the blood spot what was going on uh, Mrs. El- Eldritch or El- Elich, whatever her name was. El- oh, uh, Mrs. The, Elrod. The old lady. Elrod. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Elrod, yeah. <laughs> that was she... on my ham! <laughs> yeah, she touched a little petal of blood on her cutting board and saw her knife was missing and immediately knew that the serial killer was in her house, had taken her knife and left that blood there and screamed. Oh my god, she should have been at the hospital to to follow the clues. I've seen that blood out right away. I've seen <laughs> that blood before. It was on my ham. <laughs> <laughs> you stole my ham. The serial killer stole my ham. Didn't kill my husband. Damn it! All right, last character here. Uh, we talked about him quite a bit. I feel like, but Doctor Mixter, the physician at Haddonfield uh, Memorial Hospital. Uh, god damn it, they didn't pull up who. Uh, who plays uh, Dr. Mixter. Oh, Ford Rainey. Kind of a cool name. Ford Rainey as Dr. Mixter. He's a minor role in the film. Uh, his character is essential to the context of the hospital setting. Uh, he shows up drunk to the hospital from a Halloween party. Um, he becomes embroiled in the chaos when Laurie Schroeder is brought to the hospital, injured and traumatized. Uh, he, his character illustrates the medical staff's efforts to treat patients while dealing with unexpected and terrifying events unfolding with the hospital's walls uh yeah we really only see dr mixer right away in the beginning when laurie shows up when he's uh you know administering drugs to her and then he really just goes back to his office we don't see him until janet comes across his body but i'm assuming he's like chugging coffee trying to like get sober taking a shower and uh yeah, yeah. eventually michael myers uh uh sneaks into his his office and sticks a needle in his in his in his eye and that looks and that's the only injury that was uh visible to us do you think that's all it took is he just kind of snuck up on him and popped him right in the eyeball there are probably like a thousand injuries on his butt that we didn't see just because he was sitting down yeah <laughs> it's like cut, cut him with the scalpel on his butt a thousand times made him bleed out and then stuck the needle in his dead body yeah but dr mixer that's my theory character that i didn't really enjoy i don't think he was supposed to be likable at all really but no i don't think so uh 
yeah, he uh, just kind of added to the the bumbliness or the you know the bumbling staff. <clears throat> Definitely felt like that. For as little patience as they had, it still felt like they couldn't get their shit together um, at this hospital. <laughs> and he was, you know, supposed to be a leader and taking charge, and clearly wasn't doing his job. So, uh, yeah, no surprise that Doctor Mixer fell victim to to Michael Myers. He was just trying to sober up to take care of that kid. Poor guy. Poor, poor I wish guy. when Lori was like stumbling through the hospital on drugs and like encountering all the trail of corpses Michael left behind. She also bumped into like the bled out kid, like laying on the waiting room floor. <laughs> he, he didn't get help soon yeah. enough. <laughs> the mother's like, like oh he gosh. never showed up. <laughs> Michael's killing children now. No, he ate a fucking razor blade. He brought him in to get stitches from Dr. Mixter. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's hilarious. But All right, man. That's like most of the, I guess, main characters. Obviously, there's a bunch of side characters that probably don't need to delve into. But, uh, whew, got to wipe the brow. That was, uh, that was a long list of characters there. Yeah. But, uh all right, that brings us to our next section. We're going to talk about some of the key scenes of, of, of the film here and hopefully uh, be able to wrap up the film and uh, um, cover 99% of it. Hopefully we're able to wrap this up. So uh, I think I have six or seven of these, but um, we can kind of go through them pretty quick if we're you know kind of repeating ourselves, but... Number one, I have the hospital pursuit. So as the film opens, we see Michael Myers escaping from the Doyle house. You know, it's a, you know, it's re- showing us what happened at the end of the first film where uh, Loomis claims to have shot him six times. Um, he falls off the balcony onto the, I love how they leave like an imprint in the grass too. When, yep, when Loomis looks over, but uh, he proceeds to stalk the streets of Haddonfield, which I love that they brought back the POV. That's such a scary part of Michael Myers is being able to see things through him when he's walking through the alleyways, um, and the Elrod house, uh, and, uh, when he gets to the hospital, but, um, this scene sets the tone for the relentless pursuit that characterizes the movie. So obviously it's shown later when that kid who's carrying around the boom box is playing the radio and says that Laurie Schrode was taken to Haddonfield Memorial hospital. And he bumps into that kid. That's how he figures out where to find her. Uh, fun fact, that kid carrying around the boombox is Dick Warlock's son, Billy Warlock. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding My you. boy, Billy. My boy, Billy. So, uh, yeah, like, did you think, like, it was kind of forced, or do you think it was a pretty good, like, story and, like, I guess natural way of Michael Myers, you know, kind of, I mean, you could you could hear him breathing in the POV. Like, he definitely seemed injured. Like, when he was walking around uh, the alleyways and eventually, uh, you know, stumbling into the Elrod house, killing the, the girl next door. And then um, hearing about Laurie Strode on uh, the radio. Do you think that was believable or do you think I was kind of stretching it? I mean, I think it. Uh, I was glad that they, they made Michael like sounds injured uh, with his, with his breathing and that they did the POV as amazing i love it when they do that mm-hmm. um but like as far as believable um like this movie kind of set up what i feel like the believability of 
Michael is because you've got Loomis screaming in your ear about him being a force of nature and not, not of this world. Um, and then you've got like the tangible evidence of him just tanking all these gunshots. Um, so I think Michael just like sets the new standard for what's believable. So I just go with whatever it is. Now, I, I like this level. Like, I don't want him to be, I like him being this just like Terminator guy who's, he can be slowed down by bullets and like he gets back up after them and you're like, what the hell is going on? Um, and you can blow him up and slow him down and, and things like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just inevitable, but, but he's not like uh, doing crazy teleportation paranormal things. Yeah, like I like him to stay at this level. Like he's lifting people up with a with a scalpel, but he's not uh, doing crazy super strength things. Right. Yeah. No, I totally other, agree other than you. walking through a, like a bulletproof cave. Yeah, that was a bit. That was a bit much. That was a. Uh, yeah, but um, like phasing through almost <laughs> like superhero <laughs> type type stuff right there. Um. Awesome. Well, yeah. I, th- the next key scene. Um, these aren't really all like in order or anything, but this next key scene I want to talk about, we actually didn't mention this going through the character list because I kind of wanted to save it for this, but it's Lori's revelation. So Lori Strode still recovering in the hospital has moments of realization. and begins to piece together the horrifying truth about her attacker. She discovers that Michael Myers is in fact, her brother was adds, which adds a chilling layer of complexity to the story. I'm I'm very excited to hear your take on this, being that this was the first time we watched this and finding out that there's this brother-sister element um, between Lori and Michael. But this is all Halloween fans ever knew about Lori and Michael, is that they're brothers and that he's on this quest. He killed his sister in uh, 1963 when he was six, and now he's going after the bloodline and trying to kill... Uh, Laurie Strode, and that kind of goes back to you know, him going to the classroom, stabbing uh, the the sister in this like little like drawing that a kid did, writing Sam Hain. Um, and uh, honestly, though, like I I kind of I really liked it until uh, some of these like the the Halloween trilogy, the new one that came out with David Gordon Green, where they totally uh, retconned that where there's no relation whatsoever um it, it makes it a little i guess scarier for me that it's just like no he's just he's not like targeting this one person he's just this unstoppable unstoppable force that's just killing to kill but uh, this obviously goes back to when uh nurse chambers is talking to loomis in the back of the vehicle saying like that strode girl that's that's Michael Myers' sister. She was adopted by by the Strodes after the Myers' parents were were killed in the car crash. What are what are your overall thoughts on the, on that element of the film? That was one of the not so good elements of the film to me. Yeah, like, I do like that. Does seem kind of like this is like the sealed documents that uh, never got out and like Lori never like in a town that gossip like knows everything about everybody and like gossips a bunch and um especially about michael myers like that's like the key thing about this town like that everybody 
shares knowledge about and nobody let slip about Lori or knew about Lori and Michael's connection um, or that they had another daughter. Right. That was adopted. But also, like you said, I prefer that Michael is just doing this. Like this is just like his one instinctual drive. It's uh, not this like I'm this like meaningful motivation behind it to get his sister. It's he's just like a shark mm-hmm. moving through the waters. Um, so I do prefer that part of like the David Gordon Green. I like the retcon in those movies. And that's, I'm, I like that there was a retcon because then that was a big surprise for me in, in Halloween too, because I've watched Halloween one and, or the, the first one and the David Gordon Green. So I never knew about this uh, sister angle. Um, but yeah, I, I prefer the, uh, the no reason killing killings. Yeah, and I thought like the flashbacks or like the the memories that she was she was having was really cheesy. Where she's like visiting or sees him, you know, staring out the window, and he's like turning back, and there's like blood and all that yeah. stuff, and he's like he looks like an angry little kid. And then um, I can't remember the exact line, but she's like talking to her mom, and then she says say something like "You're not even my child," like something along the like that wouldn't no one would ever say that. <laughs> That's, <laughs> you that, you're not even my child like wait like way too like on the nose with it but uh yeah i like i said that's all halloween fans really knew for years and years and years until uh the halloween the new halloween trilogy so they always kind of like thought of them as this brother sister uh type thing that was uh like pretty terrifying and i don't think we realized how mm, unneeded and unnecessary that element was to the franchise and to the film like i think clearly the hollow green trilogy showed that it can be just as impactful with no like actual blood relation between the two agreed all right so let's get to the next one here so uh another key scene we kind of alluded to it a little bit but uh the chase through the hospital so much of the film revolves around the cat and mouse chase between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers, which within the confines of the hospital, this tense and suspenseful sequence features close encounters, narrow, narrow escapes and the sense of nowhere to hide. Um, like I said, I feel like another great um, chase scene after nurse Jill is killed and Laurie's like running through the hospital or uh, Michael Myers is walking down the stairs at this really slow pace. And then you have the, the stocks, um, the Michael Myers stocks, um, uh, music that comes on the dun, 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 which is like one of my favorite Mm -hmm. sounds in the history of, of music. It just is so terrifying. And, uh, so yeah, that was really freaky. And then when she like crawls through the, uh, that little window, I think it's really funny because, you know, like I said, he's stalking, he seems so like, like there's nothing goofy about this, Michael. And I'm glad they didn't show it. But when she finally gets through, she lands on all those like boxes and stuff like that. And she goes around the corner to get to the elevator. You do hear him go through the same window and fall on the same boxes. Now imagine <laughs> him crawling through that. Wouldn't that just be goofy? Yeah, well, that was kind of a goofy scene anyway with him like, kind of half-heartedly grasping at her legs while yeah. she's flailing through I was hoping, kind of brushing like, her legs a little bit. 
I was hoping he would have gotten a few slashes on her on her legs. That would have been more believable. But then, obviously, I remember as a kid, like this being so tense, where the you're waiting for the elevator to come down, and the elevator yep. finally gets there. He's coming around the corner, and yeah, just this really slow, constant pace coming after her. And when the elevator door shutting, he sticks the fucking scalpel through. First time watching him, like, oh, she's done. Like, she's going to get killed. And then it's funny that when he pulls, like, most time elevator door is just, like, open when you put your limb in there. <laughs> and it's funny, he just, like, doesn't even pulls, pulls back out, and it shuts. It just keeps shutting, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. But, yeah, then that leads to her going outside. Uh, you know, I think the chase through the hospital also includes, like, her hiding in that in that vehicle. And then, obviously, when uh, Loomis and the, and the marshal and nurse chamber shows up, um, and she's like crawling where somehow, some way she wasn't able to like scream. I, that was kind of weird where she's like, help me. I was like, what is going on right now? Like, I, I didn't really understand that, but, uh, and then she like screams it out after they get inside. But when she starts running towards the door, just a perfect way to reintroduce the shape is when he's, he comes behind that, uh, um, that structure and then there, there's that red light. That's like illuminating him. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so freaky. Cue the music. music. Yeah, just just amazing. And then he's coming after her, and then we'll get to the final confrontation and everything. But uh, I know we talked about it before. But yeah, were you you big fan of the of the chase scenes and the stalking um, with Laurie Strode? Yeah, especially the um, the chase to the elevator because that was just like I mean, Michael. <laughs> if he picked up the pace even slightly, he would have just walked inside the elevator. Yeah. Sticking to his MO there. He's like, no, uh, if I don't catch the door, it'll be fine. Then like half hardly sticks his hand in. And yeah, the, the hospital elevator doors are definitely not up to code with like the automatic opening. Uh, some, some kids going to get their head caught in there. Yep. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I love the red lighting in that scene too, as Laurie's getting into the elevator. Um, the, just the lighting is so perfect in this movie. Yeah, it was uh, truly, truly amazing. I, I loved it. Okay, let's let's move on to the next key scene here. So let's talk about Doctor Loomis's desperation. Um, so Doctor Loomis is a relentless in his pursuit of Michael Myers. He becomes increasingly desperate and determined to stop the killer, even at great personal risk. His scenes underscore the urgency and danger of the situation. All right, we alluded to it. Let's get to it. The Ben Tramer scene. Holy shit, Keller. <laughs> that was, like, laughable. Where he was like, uh, there he is! There he is! Get off the street! And he's, like, waving his gun around. He's like, what? Are... And Brackett's like, the fuck are you doing? He's, like, causing this panic. And these kids are running. I feel bad for Ben Tramer. Like, he's he's this drunk. You know, he's drunk. He's just trying to walk home. And he's like scared. You can tell he's like, I don't know what's going on. So he's like, walking. Well, he's got this crazy doctor waving a gun towards him, sprinting yeah. at him. The fuck is going on, man? And then he's like across the street. And then, oh my god, what is this? This this police officer thinking? He's like, there he is. Fucking like <laughs> steps on the gas pedal, rams him into another vehicle. <laughs> well, Everything I explodes. Think, I think the officer didn't see him coming and then couldn't stop in time. He's definitely speeding on that road. I feel like, yeah. I was like what the, is the officer looked shook after he got out. And 
I mean, yeah, just fiery inferno immediately. Oh. Ben Tramer <laughs> definitely had like don't even talk about like the needle scene or the the scalding. Ben Tramer had the worst death because it was yeah. just just uh, collateral damage from the inept cops and um, the warpath that the Doctor Loomis is on. <sighs> yeah, this gets ragdolled into another vehicle, squished, and then burned alive. And gets I know. Teeth scraped for good measure. Yeah, and yeah, I love how like the coroner's like checking. He's like, uh, <clears throat> yeah, no cavities. Uh, I would say he's probably like seventeen years old. Michael Myers is twenty-one. Like, like <laughs> right away, like this is not Michael Myers. Like anything to be like, he says I'm Michael Myers twenty-one. Like that's pretty close age range and also like no fucking fillings or anything like uh, so i feel like loomis but loomis would know if michael's had fillings done they probably did some fillings in the right. asylum michael's getting cavities from eating all those dogs yep <laughs> that's a good point uh yeah but so that scene obviously was fucking insane and then we mentioned obviously uh previously on the episode all the insane scenes with Loomis like I shot him six times you don't you don't know what death is and you know but can we just quick go back can we just quick go back to the coroner scene because there's no reaction to this random 17 year old getting mashed by the police officers and like oh we gotta find out who this kid is and like or there's there's, like obviously gonna find out who he is but there's no just like oh my fucking god we just killed an innocent 17 year old <laughs> thinking it was michael myers no no this isn't michael let's get everybody back out keep looking keep looking like, is, uh, we gotta everybody's uh i sent everybody home like that's the big uh yeah that's the big takeaways oh great we gotta keep looking god no oh, there's a dead 17 year old burned alive on the table charred killer charred <laughs> like no skin like the fucking like mouth is protruding out like it's it's <laughs> gruesome it's terrifying it's horrible it's so bad it's it's just insane oh. but uh yeah, i wonder why that like why do you think that they even added that into the movie because it's it's not like it's a mystery for very long where it, it's like this big hang-up for most of the movie like trying to figure out if michael's dead or not i don't know like, this they... kind of like a quick a quick detour yeah and then, <laughs> then okay back on the hunt but yep. ben tramer has has paid the price exactly for killer. that's that's what i chalk it up to i think it was like a quick detour they didn't want to want to do the same thing as like the previous film where it was like they're just searching for him and they can't find him so they're like we gotta yeah. have like something that throws them throws them off let's have ben tramer a person that laurie said that she'd like to go to like the, the homecoming dance with uh, let's have him get fucking rammed by a police officer, blow up, <laughs> charred to death, and the, oh my uh, god! Yeah, Lori's got to hear about that after she survives this. Like, yeah. oh yeah, the person who was hunting you—we thought we killed him earlier, <laughs> but it was actually Ben Tramer, the person you really like. Oh, she's really gone through the shit. My, do god. you want to take a look at him? Could you identify him? Oh. Yep, <laughs> that's definitely that, Ben's teeth. <laughs> that's Ben. That's Ben. All right. I love his teeth. Oh my god! Yeah. So, the just yeah, insane part of the film that was unnecessary, but like I'm kind of glad it's in there because it is so outrageous and, and crazy. Matt, do you do you think that 
like <clears throat> the writers like thought far enough ahead where um dr loomis's whole spiel about the uh like fire rituals that would be done at the end of summer for the uh the celtic spirits um to like give an omen of like evil to come or something you think no. that they're thinking that ben tramer's incineration was a uh, a sacrifice to the to the spirits of sam shane or whatever it's called sam hain uh sam hain or otherwise pronounced as Samhain. um no they were not thinking ahead. They they were. This was supposed to be the last film, including Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. It was just some random thing, like throw them in there. Another body count, really big, explosive scene. Literally, literally. Um, yeah, they were not thinking that far ahead, and it's never like really referenced again until the hollow the hollow green trilogy, where he obviously it's a different timeline. It doesn't include the second film, where you know, uh, and they talk about her being sweet on, on Ben Tramer. So he has a better fate in, in that uh, timeline. <laughs> oh, not, not, not this, this is a, Oh, it's just so bad. I could, I could keep talking about that scene for so long. Like the cops, the, the fact that, uh, um, yeah, what's the sheriff's name? Bracket. Bracket. Yeah. Um, that he's like pointing at the the charring corpse. He's not shook up at all. Like this this human is burning up in front of him. He's just pointing at it and going, "Is that him? Is that him?" Oh <laughs> Loomis God. is like put on the spot. Like all this pressure on him to identify. He's like trying to look it's... through the flames. Like I, I, I can't tell. <laughs> he's like wiping sweat off his forehead. And like like shit. I'm so stressed. Like nobody's nobody's reacting to the fact that this like insane thing has happened in front of him. Also, Loomis, this mask had blonde hair. Yeah, come on, Loomis. Like, the fuck? It's him! Completely different <laughs> body build. Blonde hair. He's, like, not, like, yeah, he's walking down the sidewalk, but when he's going across the street, he's, like, kind of, like, like at a pretty brisk pace. Like, Michael Myers doesn't move like that. And, yeah, he's just, like, he's sh- trying to shoot at him. What the fuck are you doing? I think Loomis is one step away from getting uh, institutionalized with his obsession. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. And then the next films, when we eventually watch them, yeah, it's, oh, that guy should be arrested. Like, he should be put away. He's so bad. I love him, though. Um, yeah, so obviously, uh, we've, we've talked about a lot of the other stuff with Loomis. I think we've pretty much covered all the bases, unless you have other stuff. Uh, yeah, with Loomis, well, I just love, uh, when the nurse comes in and, um, she's like, can I talk to you for a moment privately? Yeah. Like, he's looking at her, and he does this, like, with a, with a lot of the characters, where it looks like he's just, like, thinking of other things while he's staring yes. at somebody, and, like, looking straight through them. <laughs> he's like, oh, I didn't recognize you right away. Or, <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right, Keller. Like, or like, I felt like he never like, like right away when someone's talking to him, he it's almost like someone that's like not interested in talking to you or like exactly. distracted. Like he's never look. He looks at them right away, and then he's like looking and like staring off into the distance, like kind of like <laughs> slightly nodding his head, and then he just like inter- interjects and he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yes, <laughs> yes, we need to find him. There's evil out there. What, what are we doing? 
And there's like, did yeah, you just, to or just, just like said? contradicting them, like completely waving them away, like you don't know what evil is, you don't know what death is. Just like I have seen, I have treated Michael for fourteen years, <laughs> and yeah, everybody's just like an NPC to him. Um, but I loved when like they're talking in private. Well, at first of all, that like, oh, I didn't recognize you right away. Yeah. Like, what is that line? <clears throat> um, you just saw her two nights ago. <laughs> uh, but her saying like, you you have orders to come back to the to the sanitarium and to the clinic. He's like, they can't order me. Like he just has this. I love his god complex. Or yes. it's, it's like I well, answer to nobody. And it's funny you bring that up because she goes, "It's the governor," and he goes, "The governor." He like laughs it off. The governor. Like he has, like he has this past relationship with the governor. Like that. Yeah. He's like re- fondly remembering. Oh, the governor he thinks he can control me. <laughs> the governor doesn't know what evil is. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, I love Loomis so much. Yeah, Loomis is awesome. Um, all right. Well, I think like the last key scene I have is just the final confrontation, which we're gonna get more of of Loomis in this. But uh, this obviously the film builds to a climactic showdown between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers in the hospital's basement. Uh, the dark and claustrophobic setting adds to the tension as Laurie and uh, Loomis fights for their lives against the seemingly unstoppable force of evil. Um, let's rewind a little bit back to when. Lori, like Loomis, lets Lori in, and uh, Michael Myers busts through the door, and he shoots him, and he eventually falls down. The marshal really bothered me here because he's like standing next to him, and he's like, "Get away from him!" He's like, <clears throat> "He's like, uh, he's still breathing," and then he like goes away for a little bit, and then he comes back. <laughs> and, but he's not breathing also, now. Also. Loomis has a problem with personal space. He's like up in Lori's shit. Like, yes, all right, yes, we got, we got the evil, the evil, the evil. I'm sorry, I left you alone. Yes, and then, and then he turns out like, get away from him, and he's like, (laughs) he's not breathing. And then, and then, like, okay, Marshall, you deserve to die after this. He turns around, just like slits his throat. I was like, good God, like, what are you doing, man? I was gonna say the Marshall is probably my second favorite character in this movie. Because he his whole attitude with like Loomis like going nuts in the back of his car, like talking to the nurse. And then um like the marshal's hearing this, like him talking about Sam Hain and just like, what the fuck is going on back there? And then suddenly Loomis is pointing a gun at the side of his head. Like <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna listen to me now, buddy. Not only that, you're- he shoots his window out. Yeah. Is this what you fellows do? A warning shot? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love how like when he tells Nurse Chambers, get on, get on the radio and tell the police officers to get down here. And he's like, wait, hold on a second. I'm the only <laughs> one authorized to use that radio. Dude, get a grip of the gravity of the situation. Who fucking cares? But just how in control Loomis is immediately here. He's just like, I'd handcuff you to your car, but I might need you in there. So I'm not going to handcuff you. <clears throat> and then uh, the guy goes, what's the worst could it, that could happen? I could lose my job. Like he's just so done with, with tonight and his, uh, his whole career. 
at that point. Well, he's probably coming from like Chicago or wherever. Like he's not from the town, so he's like probably telling <laughs> his wife, like, "I got to go, go pick up this insane doctor and bring him back to town." Like he was not. Yeah, he had no idea what was like he what what he was in for. He thought it was gonna be a pretty simple, just like you know, catch and retrieve type type mission, and then all of a sudden he's like getting held at gunpoint and brought into a hospital and like he's like this watching this doctor like shooting a masked man to death he's the fuck is happening right now (laughs) like obviously he's dead you just shot him four times in the chest so i'm gonna walk over and check his pulse get away from him he's not a he's not a human he's an animal like an animal also dies by getting shot four times in the chest he can yeah you have to be more specific that he is evil and personified i shot him zigzag he's not even <laughs> like what well he's not breathing now so i'm gonna i'm gonna take a look at him he's like i checked no. his balls. he's not breathing <laughs> but i love that though that michael is like playing dead then because he he knows he's like looking for him to be breathing or yeah. not so he just stops no. breathing and then lures him in <laughs> but uh yeah, so then obviously this brings us to uh, Loomis and Lori are running uh, throughout the hospital in the basement. They get to some room that has a bunch of like different uh, gas tanks or oxygen tanks and stuff like that. But I think it's funny. One of my favorite lines of all time from Loomis, I have a ton of them, but this one stands out. And I say, I, I like, I, I just like play around. I say it all the time when whenever I'm with Holly, it's a, uh, get out now the way he says it just like (laughs) his uh his accent and everything but uh what are your thoughts when michael busts through the door takes a scalpel like stabs and like maybe like an inch into his uh into his abdomen and loomis just like he just it looked like he was like holding like water in his mouth and he just like stumbles backwards This whole movie, I had no idea if um, Donald Pleasance was, like, the best method actor ever, like, being (laughs) Dr. Loomis, or if he was just completely tanked throughout the entire filming process, and that's why he looked like he had... Oh, yeah, I did hear some of that. Yep. Um, But, like, that's why he would never make eye contact with anybody or, like, it seemed like he was in the same scene as other people. Um, just because his his brain is just totally fried. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of it was just, like, overacting, like him getting stabbed, but uh, it makes makes it so fun. Oh, yeah, dude, it's it's great. And then, obviously, there are some issues with, uh, with, um, the ending here where, you know, he gives her the gun and uh, he's coming towards her. She says, Michael, he stops, cocks his head. I really like that touch fires two shots perfectly in his eyeballs. But if you notice when they, when they show the shot of like the blood trickling down, there are no bullet holes. They're trickling it down like from his like forehead. I'm like, you yeah. couldn't have like done something there. And then uh, they kind of bothered me. I thought he that. got shot in the forehead right away. Yeah, no, the no way his head holes. like snapped back and yeah, the way the blood was coming from. But yeah, no, no bullet hole in the mask. Yeah, so that would have been cool. Another flaw in in the film. But then he's like aimlessly like swiping <laughs> his scalpel around. A thousand like, times. They're like fucking tricking him by like turning like the the uh, 
gas tanks or oxygen tanks on and like you know like pushing him like playing marco polo with him essentially in in this room and that that's where i didn't really like it either because it's like he can hear her like like shrieking and stuff like just keeps swinging that way and it's like she's like oh someone's up there and they get over there and like i I don't know like obviously he just got shot in the fucking face twice twice so he's probably all discombobulated and everything but um yeah and then that's where looms is like get out now and then she she's running out and uh it's funny when uh doesn't he say like goodbye michael and then he lights his match hey it's time michael oh michael it's time michael it's time like just finally at peace with it and yeah lights his fucking uh his lighter completely explodes that room and Lori's, you know, laying on the outside. She's safe and everything. But then Michael is fucking walking out on fire. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this guy's unstoppable. But then eventually fall topples over and uh, is, uh, I guess, in quotations, dead in this film. Uh, yeah. My thoughts? I hope those babies were okay. I don't know how much of the hospital <laughs> exploded, but. Uh, or just like smoke about. inhalation or yeah. just negligence from all the staff being dead and them just being alone. Any number of things could have uh, happened to those babies tonight. Yeah. But uh, so, um, that's yeah. an entire generation of Haddonfieldians wiped out by yeah. the. They grew up like I was in the hospital when that happened. This little baby. Where are the parents at? <laughs> Wouldn't the mothers be like in like a patient there? Like, I don't know. You just drop off your baby at the hospital when you go to, go to a Halloween party. <laughs> Everybody's at the same Halloween party. Yeah. That's probably where Lori's, Lori's parents are. Or yeah, he, he said that. Dr. Mixer's like, oh, I just saw your parents at the, at the Halloween party. Oh, did party. he? I, I must have missed that. Yeah, but yeah, then the ending, obviously, like that creepy fog's rolling in. I think actually, yeah, Deputy Hunt shows up again. Um, and then the other officer comes out and he's like, he's like, what's the damage? He's like, found 10 bodies in there and he's like my god and then they roll her into the ambulance and this is obviously where like i love the song mr sandman and i don't think i mean it's always kind of had this like creepy notion to it but uh this film i think gives it the the creepiest vibes of of all like ending on the note of mr sandman you're seeing her you know, just kind of like sitting in the in the ambulance, like, oh my god, what is what is going on? And then it cuts back to Michael burning uh, on the floor. Um, you know, I think in this film, signifying the the end of the chaos and the end of the rampage that uh, Michael Myers has caused uh, this town. But uh, I thought it was a great way to end the film. Obviously, the TV ending is Jimmy's alive and he's with her, and it's a little little happier, but. Uh, yeah. Oh, I also wanted to mention, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, when the TV reporters are there, the uh, one of the assistants and one of the TV reporters, when they go to when before Sheriff Brackett uncovers uh, Annie's body, she's like talking to a, a younger guy. That's Dana Carvey. Oh, for real? Yeah. It's his like first ever film credit. He, he's like an assistant, but you see him in that scene and then you see him at the end. And if you notice the uh, woman who would be like his boss uh, TV reporter wasn't there at the end. And that's because initially there were, I think it was a scene that got cut, but she was going to die. Cause if you notice when yeah. Loomis is talking to hunt about what they're going to do, she's like in the background and the camera's like not focused on her, but she definitely stands out as being very attentive and like listening to what they're saying. And then, and they, yeah. I think they mentioned something about the hospital, 
so basically uh what i think in the original script she was going to be like i'm going to go drive to the to the hospital or or something or either the hospital or the coroner's office and uh once she gets there when she opens up her trunk michael myers is in the trunk and like ends up killing her oh jeez so, so that's how he gets to the hospital yeah i think that was initially how she how he gets to the gets to the hospital but yeah she's not there at the end um that's far so as they I had to tell. cut they had to cut that out to blow up Ben Tramer. Yeah, apparently. Oh my god. So that's a that's Halloween too. I think we covered like ninety nine point nine nine percent of the movie. So um, I feel pretty good about that. Loved it. It was awesome. So yeah, here we go. We're on we're on the home stretch here with uh, with this episode, but um, really just uh, kind of talking about some of the defining. Um, elements of this film obviously the score and and the soundtrack for this movie is amazing they introduce the synths like it's some of the same music but instead of regular piano they're using synth waves and i thought it really added to the to the atmosphere uh, of this film um i find myself just like kind of just i've downloaded that that album and i listen to it sometimes because i really enjoy um the music from this movie uh and then we talked about some of the cinematography, the lighting, how how great it is, and the the practical effects that they use. Um, but yeah, to compare it to some of these some of the other films in the genre, you know, like I said, it, it's it's this um, it's a souped up or on steroids Halloween sequel that I think was trying to keep pace with some of the other slasher films. It definitely gives me more of like the Friday the Thirteenth vibes. Uh, obviously, like I said still has the Michael Myers element, some of the creeping and shadows type stuff that isn't really in some of these other slashers, but with the souped up kills and, and everything, it, it definitely kind of, the, I don't want to say it gets lost in the shuffle of some of the other slashers of that time, but uh, doesn't really stand out or stand above uh, some of the other ones. But um, as far as like influences on like other films, I think just being in the hospital setting and uh, stuff like that, I think that, probably had an influence on a lot of like films throughout the 80s and the 90s where you're going into these places that might seem safe but when they're abandoned they they seem pretty pretty damn creepy but uh yeah like how would you compare this film to to other ones you've watched from i mean it doesn't have to be from the 80s or anything but just that would be considered in the same like slasher genre yeah i think that uh i mean part of it that's like I don't love that like, I think compares is like that need to have like this, um, this lore with Michael um, being siblings with Laurie, like giving him more backstory, more of a reason to be doing what he's doing. Um, and like hoping that that's compelling when a lot of times that just like takes away some of the mystique or the, the mystery or the fear behind mm. this, like, faceless uh monster um so i think that's something that bothers me with a lot of uh the genre that's supposed to be just like kind of like face value in a lot of ways but they they want to take them or they care so much about their main villain that they just want to they think people want more like information about them which isn't always the case um but but yeah you're, I think you're exactly right with the direction they went with the, the kills being more and more um, 
just dramatic and, and brutal and uh, that's that's the direction they went in and they keep ramping up and ramping up uh, as slashers go along and special effects get better um, and then it be- becomes for a lot of the like subgenre just being about those kills um, yeah and I think this movie still had a good balance of the the tension breaking up these uh these brutal moments um and building up to them really well um and the focus still being there but uh yeah you start to see some of the um some of the like archetypes on display with like ditzy girl like the um like the horny guy (laughs) like and then um them meeting their ends kind of because of who they are yeah. Um, yeah. I I think this holds up a lot better. Just the way it was a little bit more restrained in in some of those aspects, um, and still just fantastic cinematography, fantastic score. Um, I hold it up a lot, a lot higher than the other a lot of the other slashes I've seen. Yeah. Very very well said, and I I completely agree. Um, all right, man. Well, let's let's give our rating and whether we uh, recommend or not. So what should we do? What should I, our, our one out of 10 scale be? Hmm. Scalpels. Scalpel. That's perfect. All right. I think I'm going to do, Hmm. I think I gave Halloween the original nine out of 10 or maybe even 10 out of 10, but I'm going to give this a seven and a half out of 10. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Obviously saying that for the last <laughs> two and a half hours here, but um it's a well put together film it's one of the better sequels in the halloween franchise and i absolutely do recommend this film whether you're a halloween uh franchise fan or not if you're just a a regular old horror fan like i think this is an essential watch it's 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 really great it's a great classic in the horror genre so seven and a half out of ten scalpels definitely recommend what about you keller yeah if i gave halloween 10 out of 10 uh, for a slasher, I'd, I'd give this eight out of ten. I think a lot, a lot for the same reasons that you said. Awesome. Well, cool, man. Yeah, that uh, that pretty much concludes uh, this episode. I want to thank the listeners so much for for tuning in and consuming this content. Uh, I love doing this with Keller and you know Crazy Uncle Seth and Donnie and all the other guests that I have on. It's 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 really fun. It's a passion of mine, and we have some really great conversation so i look forward to doing it and i i I love to see the the listener numbers uh increasing as we continue to um refine our skills and 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 create a good flow with these episodes so thank you so much for for tuning into these episodes uh if you want more content from the film room we have our social media accounts you can go to facebook twitter or i guess x now uh instagram and 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 tiktok we're pretty active on tiktok got some really good videos on there a lot of them are clips like some of the best moments from from episodes on there so if you want some really quick funny or interesting sound bites head over to our tiktok page at the film room Uh, i think we're the film room horror on our other social media accounts so check those out for updates and and extra content if you'd like uh would would appreciate that and then uh if you want exclusive content from the film room uh highly recommend you head over to our patreon page at the film room horror we're constantly putting stuff up on there we have some patreon exclusive episodes on there uh some like 
pre-recording shooting the breeze with Keller, crazy uncle Seth, whoever the, the guests are, um, uh, some blogs and some, some reviews on there. And then I'm just constantly trying to, to build a, a big content library. And now I think, I believe I have six patrons on the Patreon account. So I want to thank all my patrons for, for supporting this, uh, this channel and supporting, uh, the film room. Um, I, I really, I really appreciate that. And if you want to become a friendly supporter of the film room, you can do it for as little as $1 per month. It's not required. It's definitely optional, but it's always appreciated. All right. Like I mentioned this month for October, we have a huge slate of episodes coming out. I believe this one, this Halloween two episode should be coming out after the Friday the 13th part two episodes. So, Listen to the Friday 13th Part 2 episode. That's going to be a great one. And at the end of this month, we'll be having Terrifier 2 uh, publishing so that you guys can get all the spooky season uh, thrills and kills and, and great listens that uh, you can get for for uh, for the year of 2023. So, uh, yeah. Any uh, last thoughts, Keller? No, I had a great time talking to you today. Everybody subscribe. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's it's always so fun to, to do these with you. I, I really... Uh, I really uh, like the the insights that you get in a lot of these films that I've seen so many times. You're seeing them for the first time, so I like your 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 perspective, and it's it's fun to kind of pick your brain and and have these uh, these conversations with you. So I'm excited to have uh, many more. Love to have you pick my brain, buddy. Oh, you know it. But all right, have a happy Halloween season, everyone. And until next time, bye.